A little disclaimer before we get rolling here. You're about to hear some ads. They are all from local entities that want to support the baseball community. A lot of these guys have deep connections. We're players themselves. So if you see having a need for any one of these services, please go patronize these guys. Thank you. We are also brought to you by Josh Badman of Radon Fighters. He can be reached at 217-823-9536. This is a great guy. He's my fellow firefighter. Use post-game spread as a code to save 25 bucks on a radon inspection. If you're uh, buying a home or just want peace of mind <clears throat> for radon in your house, please give Josh a call. He was a standout player at Morrisonville back in the day and then played at SCI for Coach Tor in the early 2000s. Go see Radon Fighters. We are also brought to you by Cornerstone Financial Services, specifically the founder and my buddy, Ryan Kaiser, we were part of the Dance Dads together. We met while our daughters were doing ballet. Love this guy. They're a huge baseball family. His son plays for the Arsenal. They're doing a baseball stadium tour. Um, you can get a hold of Ryan. for. He specializes in retirement planning, estate planning, and is a certified financial planner. Love this guy. Go support them. Appreciate you. Spitty. Yo, yo. What's going on, go. brother? How are you doing? Great. I've heard a lot of good things about um, this podcast, so I'm anxious to get going again. I'm pumped too, man. The, the, the feedback has been really cool to hear. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of love being passed around since the podcast. I know Brad Savota's reached out to Dennis and your 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 parents and, and, and the worst have been going back and forth and kind of spreading the love. I know Dennis yeah. Worth loved it. He listened to it twice. Kim Worth has been raving to me about it, and I've, I've gotten a, you know, uh, Talk to Feldy. He loved it. I mean, all these guys are loving it. So are you hearing yeah. good things back back your way as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Feldy uh, reached out. Um, I had a couple other friends uh, reach out. Just, um, you know, it was like bringing back a lot of memories. Yeah. Uh, how much they appreciate me. You know, just all around good, good, you know, texts and, me- you know, messages and stuff. And it's just, um, means a lot to me because I want to get that word out more and more, you know, so. Yeah. Awesome. I, I love that you're, you're getting a bunch yeah. of positive feedback. It's been so fun kind of bringing yeah. people back together. Like you said, you know, talking about names, bringing up people and, you yep. know, you check in with them, you get to hear from them. Uh, actually yeah. Feldy. So I was talking with, with Feldy after our, our first podcast and he had, he didn't name it, but he, he said that we were kind of laughing about how long the, the first part went. And he was like, man, uh, Jay's trying to turn this into his own The Last Dance documentary. So we were laughing about that. And I was like, you know what? That is the exact perfect title for part two, Last yeah. Dance. It's amazing, dude. I, you know what? I, I don't care at all how, how long the first one went. Yeah. Your story unfolds as it's supposed to unfold. You know, if you are a baseball fan, then you should understand patience and waiting for the art, for the beauty of it. So yeah, let, let's let it rip, man. That yeah, was so and, fun. And, yeah, and I'm not writing a book about Feldy and a tell-all. Uh, I'm up, and I I thought Adam was really not that good of a pitcher and all that stuff, like Pippen did to Jordan. <laughs> so don't worry about that, Feldy. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've yet to ask a, a guest this. Did you have fun in, in part one? What was that like for you doing, like you know, spilling your your well, whole story and going back? It's all new. It's all new. It was, you know, like I've told the stories over and over again throughout the years, but this time it was all in one, you know, bit. And 
So that made it a little more difficult. Uh, there's a lot of things that pop into your head that you you want to, you know, know. There's stories. Uh, there's stories upon stories upon stories. You know. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. everyone. You know, I appreciate everyone in the story, even if I don't. Um, you know, mention their name. You know, there's no personal uh, ill will towards anyone because everyone that was part of it. You know, I appreciate you know what happened and where it put me and uh you know in in that time and place and yeah you know, timing's huge and um absolutely everyone involved i i don't want to ever miss a name but you know you you know who you are i can't thank you enough so sure yeah absolutely yeah. i think you know yeah. it, it sometimes sometimes it, it does take a village and I, I think something that was you know so it screamed throughout the, the whole part one was how important yeah. the worth family coming into your life was and yeah. Like man, yeah. like all those those three had like a, a role in like yeah. growing you up in in, in some ways, yeah. wouldn't you say? Yeah, and they opened up doors that I never thought were possible, um, yeah. just in many different ways too. Mm -hmm. um, and then another person I I, I should mention mm -hmm. while we're on that subject though is my mom. You know, my dad is obviously a huge part of baseball, but my mom was holding the fort down every time yeah. my dad and I went on that road trip. Yeah. to see this college or that college or go on a baseball trip or whatever. And my mom was sewing her ass off, you know, for the business yeah. and uh, keeping a roof over our head and same with my dad, but my mom, you know, just really, she should never go un, uh, unnoticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was a huge part of this story too. You know, um, yeah. my brother would attest to that as well. Uh -huh. Um the, the impact she had. So wouldn't it be with, without her, it wouldn't have happened too. So just had to say that. I love that you went back and I'm going to actually take this, this time to go back and thank my mom too. Cause <laughs> when yeah. I did my, when I told my story on a buddy's podcast, I kind of didn't say a whole lot about my mom and I regretted it looking yeah. back. It's easy to think, yeah. you know, when I think baseball, I think like my, my dad, but my mom played a huge role as well. She's an amazing lady. I'm so much like her. Uh, one of my best friends, yeah at this day so love you mom sorry yeah. for not talking about you much in my own love life. you mom yep <laughs> yeah so mom mom would just you know she did everything and then some to make sure we had what we wanted and needed i mean it was above and beyond yeah and um and it was also the time and effort putting up with us playing baseball all the time you know it was just right. or non-stop sports she never hesitated to attend or you know she was all in she told boy mom you know, just like my, my beautiful wife, um, she's a boy mom with two, we got two beautiful boys at home yep. and, uh, yeah. So it was just all boys all the time, you know, in, in and out of the house playing baseball. So yeah. Um, hats off to her. And she also had that seamstress title and rocked all those uniforms over the years for even some some amazing colleges. I, I think even Wichita state might've been one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I can't remember, but, but yeah, I mean, she, there are some accounts that she had that were pretty amazing and it was all out of the basement of our house. That's really cool. Shout out, shout out to mama. Yep. Yep. So uh, we were, we left off um, last time in 96 and I had just yeah. thrown my one hitter mm -hmm. and we I want to pause, are, though. Jay, I want to yeah, pause. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, you're, you're good. That's exactly yeah. where we left off. But I want to start off funny because I kind of missed a funny clip. I missed a chance to play it. And I'd like to go back and just hit it right now. 
and then we'll move forward with that. But it's actually cool. Coach Mumi, and I have it titled Lonely Bus Ride. So I think you already know what story this is, Love right? This. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And then hopefully you can give yeah. us some context afterwards. Yeah. But hilarious. All right, here we go. Well, it's, it's one that Jay actually told me, and I remember it a little bit. But um, we, and it was, it was, I think it might have been his sixth grade year. Uh, I used to let the kids, we always let the kids ride home with their parents after the game instead of riding the bus if they wanted to. And I think we were playing just at Pawnee, just down the road in junior high. And I think every kid on the bus rode home with their parents except Jay. Jay rode home on the bus and he came up and said, <laughs> started talking to me and he said he said I basically just kind of blew him off and I I know what I was doing I was always reading the always go over the scorebook on the way home and uh-huh. kind of copy it over to make sure we had it if we called the paper or whatever and make sure everything was right but uh, he he kind of said he came up to the front of the bus and started try to start a conversation and I didn't really seem to want to talk too much <laughs> He said he just kind of put his head down and rode quietly the rest of the way home. And he reminded me of it several times later. But, uh, like, <laughs> Jay, what do you got to say about yeah. that? Best story ever. Um, yeah, I was, uh, we're at Pawnee. It was after a regional game or something. And, um, I, my dad goes, Hey, Jay, do you want to ride home on the bus? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I thought that there was going to be a few teammates hopping on and I was going to hang out with them. And next thing you know, it's just me and Mumi. And, uh, you know, I just really couldn't talk to Mumi much back then. I was I was like nervous and shy in my own head. Sure. So I just sat there looking out the window all the way home, you know, that half hour bus ride or whatever. And I think the whole time I'm looking out the window, I'm going, what in the hell should I talk to Coach Mooney about? <laughs> so then I finally uh, came up to him right before we pulled up to the school. And I go, hey, Coach. Uh, and he's like, yeah. And I go, hey, do you think I'm going to pitch next year? And he goes, yep. And turned around and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was really awkward, um, and one of many awkward moments with Coach Mumi. So it was just, yeah, I love it. I love telling that story. I remind him of it. It's just hilarious because uh, you, you guys have gone on to have a, a good friendship, right? Yeah, yeah. We just we've become really good friends, and yeah, yeah it's just hilarious though. So <laughs> I'm glad Come you on, brought Coach. that up. All right, man. Let's circle back. We're, so we're back to that that junior year. We're basically at the end of your junior year here. Let's let's, let's roll, man. Just rip. Yeah. So so we just got uh, we won the semifinal uh, on the way to the state championship game in '96. Uh, greatest greatest game I ever pitched. A, a one hit shutout. Um, almost a perfect game. Had the press conference. Um, I was a big or I am a big crybaby. So I. I uh, I, d- I definitely was crying, um, hugging my brother, just overwhelmed with yep, just feeling emotional. Oh my God. Just, you know, the most meaningful thing I could ever accomplish in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and so we had, you know, a few hours to kill the, till the next game, which was the championship game. 
And I really didn't have much of a chance to celebrate that victory because we had to go right back in to play the championship game. And I had a feeling that I was going to have to come in relief. Um, it wasn't like me to do anything like this because, as I mentioned before, I was a one-and-done kind of pitcher. Right. You know, I'd throw a game and I'd have my few days off or whatever. Mm-hmm. So after this game, I had to kind of keep uh, loose and not let, you know, just mentally not shut down. And lo and behold, um, Scott Metz started the game. He was a sophomore um, on that how team. Many did you, hey, how many, how many pitches did you throw in that first game? That first game, I threw about 86 pitches, I believe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, yeah, so that was good. Um, it wasn't a laboring Right, you know, it wasn't 120 pitch, you know, right. or anything. So, yeah. so that helped. That You know, that helped. And – and the maximum amount of innings you could pitch in the state tournament at that time was nine innings, I believe. Okay. So, so uh, Adam had pitched seven innings the day before in his game. I pitched seven innings that day. And so Mumi was hoping or was going to need Adam and myself for two innings, if possible, that mm-hmm. championship game. So Scott Metz, our sophomore, he started – he was like our number three pitcher all year. Yeah. And he uh, held the fort down. He he held his own. Um, and I think we were tied four to four or something. Um, maybe we had the lead four to three. I can't remember. But I, I know I came in in the fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth inning and walked a guy, uh, gave up a hit, and I ended up giving up a run. But uh, only gave up one run in two innings, struck out a few more guys. And actually, when, uh, when I, before I came out of the game, in my two innings, we, we uh, came back and took the lead six to four mm-hmm. or something like that. I can't remember. It's on YouTube. But, uh, and, then, and then it worked out so perfectly. Uh, Adam came in the last two innings to close out the game and we won seven to five. So it was really, fitting. Yep. it was really fitting that, that I pitched and then Adam came in to close it out to win our first ever state championship. Yeah. What, what was, what was that moment like? What would that feel like? Well, during the game, I didn't really, it didn't really sink in that we could be state champs. It was just like the biggest obstacle, um, you know, it felt like the, the you know, if it, it felt like almost impossible, you know, could we really do this? I was still kind of, uh, you know, you know, still thinking about the semifinals and it was just really weird. You know, it was just the whole, the whole experience, you know, it was just such a blur. Yeah. I bet. You know, mentally and, um, and, but as the game, you know, went on and, you know, I know Obansi Valley, you know, they, they booted the ball around a little too much that game. I think they committed five errors or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we capitalized. We had timely hits. We, we were kind of running out of gas at this point, I think, in, in, because we, we, we came out smoking in the first two games. Yeah. But we finally just ran out of gas and hung on barely. And Adam and I, speaking of running out of gas, 
I had thrown those seven innings earlier in the day. My arm was yeah. completely dead. Yeah. And I don't even know how I was able to muster up two decent innings like that. And then Adam, I know, I remember him telling me how rough his outing was from a, a pain stand, standpoint. Yeah. His arm was hanging. It's, mm -hmm. It was just rough. And, and you could kind of tell in the video, Adam wasn't himself, really. He was just kind of, you know, hoping and stuff. And But, you know, yeah. all that experience carried us. And our defense, you know, we came through and made a great double play at the end with Craig Moreland. Yep. And it was on graduation night uh, that night for the seniors. So oh, they wow. missed, yeah, they missed their graduation. But it was worth it, obviously. And, yep. uh, yeah, it was just – you can't even put it in words. It was a, obviously just a, a, an out-of-body experience. But if you want to – I mean – that was an out-of-body experience. That was a moment you never forget. But then all of a sudden, my name gets announced to be the most valuable player. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was I was named the most valuable player of the uh, state tournament. Um, I was 2-0 and with basically one run allowed, mm -hmm. I think, or, you know, in 10, 12 strikeouts, nine innings pitched. Um yeah, and just a couple hits and a walk or something like that. So I was named MVP, and that was like another holy crap moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, just, it was just piling on. I just couldn't even believe what was happening, you know. And then and then uh, Worth had a really good state tournament, um, and it looked like he was destined for greater things, you know, sure. to come. And we just celebrated like crazy, you know, and, and had a big parade. And I even had yeah. to, I even had to provide a, an, an awesome overwhelming speech for everybody at the, at the big field house. Really? Uh, yeah. I, uh, I got on the mic and I go, and I, of course I started crying and I go, Adam Feld is the greatest pitcher of all time. And Coach Ruby is the greatest coach of all time, or something like that. I'm like, and Jason Worth is the greatest player of all time. Yeah, that was my speech. Just blowing my eyes out. I'm like, yeah. I think I got made fun of on the radio about that or something one time. But <laughs> yeah, just, you got you got a sweetheart, buddy. Yeah, it's you know, it's this drama. It's just oh, it's like everything is just oh my god, you know. And, yeah, sure. Yeah, especially when it comes to baseball, you know. Um, but so so then oh, so then my life my life is really just turned upside down once again because now it's I'm getting uh, some communication from Dennis and or some phone calls from scouts inviting me to uh, this and that you know camp that they're having in the area uh, right. throughout the summer. Mm -hmm. So they, they wanted to get to know me. Um, we went to Decatur one time, me, Craig Moreland, Adam Feld, and Worth, I believe. We took a trip to Decatur one Saturday, or one uh, weekday afternoon after our senior year, or I mean after our junior year, and we did this uh, tryout camp with the White Sox, or I'm, I'm not sure what team was running it, maybe the Braves, and... <laughs> And uh, the, the scouts came up to me and they're like, hey, great tournament. Wow, you really were something special there. And you were clocked at 84 miles per hour. And I'm like, wow, really? And I had no idea. 
And that was pretty awesome um, to hear because one thing about being a lefty and being a, a curveballer, you know, and a, a soft tosser is you're never going to throw hard enough. Right. So during that time is when I really started to know, uh, to realize how important and how big of a deal it was to throw harder. Yeah. So it started becoming an obsession for me eventually because I could never throw harder. And so that's another topic. But um, so he brought it, he brought it to my attention. The problem with going to these tryout camps and, you know, throwing in front of the gun and stuff like that, I would get up there and I'm, two weeks removed from the state championship game. Right. And my arm was just dead and I did not feel right at all. And I just think I needed a break. And every time I would go to these camps, I really couldn't get loose in my bullpen session. I'd be thrown 75 to 78 miles per hour. And a lot of these scouts were there, you know, to watch me. Um, they, they'd be like kind of disappointed in a way. Sure. And, and, you know, I, you know, I was okay with it because I knew I had, you know, one more full year to go and develop. Yeah. And I, I was going to figure this out. So, so I took a few more weeks off and then we went, so I went to a, a tournament or two with the, the thunder and this was the last of the Thunder tournaments. Yeah. And that's when we picked up like Dennis Tankersley and Steve Collier from St. Louis. How big are you at this point? Height, weight. I'm probably 5'10", 5'9", 165, okay. 170. And what did you get to? Did you grow anymore? Or is that- uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, well, I made it to 5'10", and I was like 185. Okay. So that's, yeah, that was about it. So I was yep. pretty much peaking physically. Yeah. Unfortunately, at this time, I could have used definitely a few more inches of height. <laughs> yeah. But that's another part of the story is the the how I learned how to tooth and nail through this whole thing, you there know. You yeah. So. So after Thunder ended or, or while Thunder was winding down and we were losing in the World Series and this was like our last hurrah. Um, I threw a, one last World Series victory, a six nothing shutout against the team. Um it was a definite memorable game. My last game ever for Dennis last, last game ever for uh, the thunder. Um, I was on fire. It was like a great way to end my career with the thunder. Cause I, I went out on top. I felt like, mm-hmm. and I was still, even though I was having arm trouble over that summer because of the state tournament and taxing my arm so much, I felt like I was getting stronger and, and the rest was helping me Okay. in my last game through a shutout. Um, it was awesome. And then the season ended and, and while the season was ending, I was really focusing on rededicating myself to fitness Okay. and getting ready for my senior year. So what all does that entail for you at this point? Well, what that entailed for me was everything I took from, Kim Worth, mm-hmm. and I basically multiplied it by ten, and uh, so I would I would hang out with her and do do some running and all that stuff. But um, what I would do is 
Um, well, I started, I started running just on a regular basis, like three miles, you know, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it might not have been the right thing to do from a baseball standpoint, but I just did what I thought I knew was right. And, and I know at the, t- at the yeah. time that, that, that kind of was how things were. It was long yeah, distance yeah. For, for pitchers. You know? Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, for a long time or, you know, all the stuff that you learn over the years, you know, obviously you wish you could do something different. Sure. Because of what you know now, but that, you yeah. know, whatever I did, what I thought I had to do. So absolutely. I ran long distance three times a week. I was hitting the weights as much as I could. I, I had a, uh, in my, at the beginning of my senior year, I had this special, uh, PE class that coach Mumi ran. And it was, it was just for like seniors to get a PE class in. And it was more or less just walking around the track and getting your credits. Yeah. <laughs> and and just uh, kind of a blow off P.E. Yeah. So that you can get out of school early mm-hmm. um, instead of not having that early bird class that happens before school. And then yeah. you take it and, and then you can get out early. And if you don't, you have to you get out at the regular time. But so I did that class for a few days or so. And I found out that there was this other early bird P.E. class there that I could take instead. And this one was the football P early bird PE class where okay. all the football players would attend banging and weights around, banging weights around doing, you know, plyometric speed stuff. And this was five days a week, same time. I'd still get out early from school. Oh, yeah. And so I went up to coach me and I said, I'm switching classes. I can't be in this class. I'm going to take advantage of this and, and get, my ass in shape and he loved it he thought it was brilliant you know yeah so so that's when i really learned how to lift weights um you know just by getting in there and and learning and trying new stuff and and even though it was like a football type of uh you know atmosphere and environment i thought it was perfect for my mental um you know just my attitude and my approach and my, you know, my aggressiveness and that kind of thing, it really got me excited about lifting weights and getting fit for my upcoming baseball season. So I took that whole winter and did that. Okay. So when this, uh, so during that winter, um, Dennis Worth knew of a guy, a pitching instructor in St. Awesome. Louis. Here we are. So, yeah. Nice. Jerry Daniels. Yep. And, and Dennis said that Jerry, you know, knows he, they know each other from the past. Jerry was a Cardinal, a minor league Cardinal pitcher. He was a lefty. I'm not sure exactly where he was from, but I think from the St. Louis area. And he had this baseball facility in the suburbs and he got me and a couple guys down there. Uh, Dennis did uh, to join, to, to get some uh, lessons from Jerry. This is, this is, this is your new curveball time, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I had awesome. this, Pumped. You know, I, I had a slider and a curveball growing up. Yeah. So I had I had one where I would roll. It would be the slow humpback curveball okay. where I would roll it over and it would be a big looping, you know, nasty breaking curveball, slow one. And then I would have the slider, you know, where I would throw it like a football almost or something. And and it would just dart right down towards the right handed batter's feet. Yeah. So I had a really hard breaking ball. And then that slow bender. Both pretty well, effective. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I could, well, what I did so well was to a right-handed batter, I would just extend my arm just a little bit higher on that release of the curveball, and I would get them looking every time. They would buckle. Right. They would see that curveball yeah. up in the zone. Yeah. Well, and like a big Barry Zito curve, like one of those. Big yeah. Ones. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Like it would just drop right in for a strike, and they would give up on it. Uh. You know, and they, they couldn't get back on it in time. They would already give up. Yeah. And then I could throw that down in the zone and get them to swing over it or, or a ground ball. Or I would just throw my hard slider, which was basically a hard curveball. I would throw it as hard as I possibly could right down the middle. Mm-hmm. And it would hit the dirt right over, right under their bat. Yeah. You know, right near their, their, uh, the right-handed batter's feet. And I got so good at that. Um, you know, if I ever threw a strike with my fastball or got a foul ball with my fastball, even though I didn't throw that hard, you were dead meat with that curveball slider combination. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I had that going for me all these years until I met Jerry Daniels. And he taught me a couple of cool, you know, mechanical things that would help me increase velocity. Love to hear him. Yeah. Yeah, so I would I would lift my leg up and kind of, you know, bend. I would kind of uh, turn at the at my hips, and I'd kind of get my hips pointed more towards the plate, okay. or at least my front hip. I'd kind of roll it, and then that would that would uh, generate some more uh, power through my hips and my shoulders. Okay. So he had me work on that. So there's so you know a little add you know, addition to my already decent mechanics. Yeah. So we worked on that and then we worked a lot on the follow through and helping me be able to finish every pitch with a lot of bend and a lot of downward angle, which, you know, really helped a lot too. And then last but not least was obviously the curveball. So my curveball was like, I, I would kind of, uh, turn my hand a little bit early like like past like when I was coming by my ear on the on the way to the plate with the ball Mm -hmm. I would turn my hand and as long as I was going really fast doing that I could get away with it well Jerry had me throw more like a fastball 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 and then turn it just a little bit later but not like a slider which is much much later but this is just a little bit later and more out in front what was his thought process but for that just a a a nastier harder bite sharper yeah yeah and what what happened was it it became a major league curveball there you go oh yeah yeah it so i practiced this throughout the winter yeah and it was like wow i can't believe what i'm throwing here and and then before the season started in the spring of 97, um, I was at this uh, showcase and there were some scouts. This is at Jerry Daniels place in St. Louis. There were some scouts there to watch. Mm-hmm. There was also some college coaches there, which by this time I'm really interested in going to junior college. Okay. So that was another big part of this journey was my journey to find the junior college that I wanted to go to sure so 
So we went to the showcase and Steve Collier throwing 90 miles per hour and he's getting all this attention. And I get up there and I'm grunting, which is another funny thing about me is like, I, I wanted to throw harder. So I thought grunting would help me. So I grunted a lot. Yeah. And so I got it. I get up there and I hit 80 miles per hour, 81, I think with a nasty curveball, And it was just basically a bullpen in front of a bunch of kids and scouts or whatever. And, uh, you know, I felt really good that I hit 80 cause I wanted to, you know, I didn't think I was going to hit 90. Um, but you know, if I was thrown 84 in the state championship game the year before, I'm thinking 85 and up, you know, at this point with my, in my mind. Yeah. So, so before the, the season happened in 97, uh, while this, all this other, you know, uh, pitching lessons with Jerry Daniels and refining my mechanics and things like that, I was also searching for a junior college that I wanted to play for. Um, my grades were not that good at all. Um, you know, that's definitely one regret I have is that I didn't take school more seriously, but it, it is what it is. And at the time, I knew I was just going to go to a junior college, but because of what I've, what I had accomplished from a baseball standpoint, um, I wanted to go somewhere far away and I wanted to go somewhere big time. No, even though it was a junior college, um, no offense to anyone out there, but I just did not want to go to Lincoln land. Now, now, uh, all, you know, after it was all said and done, it's kind of funny that I probably should have chosen to go to Lincoln land in the first place, <laughs> because look at Lincoln land, look at their whole body of work, look at their history. You cannot, yeah, yeah you can't go wrong with Lincoln land. Thank you for but, circling back to that. I appreciate you. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, no, because at the time, so here's, here's what was clouding my judgment with Lincoln land. But I it, was, it was too local. It was Springfield. Sure. And I was looking at, I wanted to get out there and see what else was out there, even though the grass probably wasn't greener, right? you know, but I wanted to make a name for myself and go somewhere because here's why. Yeah. Lincoln land was too local. I wanted to, I wanted to leave. My brother went to Lincoln land. Okay. A lot of other dudes went to Lincoln land. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I know I could go to Lincoln land. I even got some, I even got a a, a letter or a, a Christmas card from Riggle, I believe, Bull or Coach Krasick. Yep. I knew it was there if I wanted it, but, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I want to go somewhere a lot awesomer, you know, or whatever. I mean, again, yeah. I probably should have went to Lincoln. Yeah, but. Well, everyone grows up yeah. being like, I want to go away to play baseball. Or I want to go south. But like if, if Lincoln yeah. Land's credentials are like in Mississippi, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going there. That place. Is exactly. Amazing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Lincoln Land because I again I really should have just went to Lincoln Land, you know. And yeah, and uh, it's funny thinking that, but but um, but so I I found out about Middle Georgia College. I believe. Oh yeah, that. very strong program. Yeah, very. I, I, I believe Dennis knew somebody out there. I they crank out and, pros. Yeah, yeah, and someone else knew the coach there, and yeah. I don't know, but I found and, out about them, and and so I was able to get them to have me come out there on a visit. So my dad and I, we drove out there in late February of 97 and they had a game that day. You know, it's like a 13 hour drive. 
Yeah. You know, so we drive overnight or whatever. We go to, we, right, like hours before the game, we arrive at the park. He has me throw a, a bullpen session. And the, the problem with me throwing bullpen sessions is just that you're never going to see anything special. I'm not going to throw hard. Right. My right. curveball may be average looking when I throw in a bullpen. You have to see me in the state championship. In the game, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah so that was kind of tough to deal with. But I, you know, but whatever. I just went out there and just did what I do. And so the coach, uh, you know, I got to know him. He took us around campus. You know, I got to know some players. I'm like, yeah, I really want to go here. You know, again, but it was nothing. It was honestly no different than Lincoln Land. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome, and I really wanted to go there. And we then we found out about Mer Meridian, Mississippi. Okay. And they had an amazing baseball program, top-notch, Division yes. One. My dad and I went down there because I think my brother was down there playing for uh, Edwardsville when he was playing. And he was down in that area, and my parents happened to go by this college, and they looked at it, and they said, oh, oh wow, you got to check this out. So, And they talked to the coach and stuff there, I guess, about me. So my dad said, let's go down there. So we took a trip down there. I threw a bullpen for them, and the guy was just standing there. And that was the, that was the one where uh, Adam goes, yeah, whenever <laughs> you're ready, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the conversation I had with this coach after my bullpen session was exactly this. It, it, it's, he said, we have the same shit you did. Or he goes, he goes, I know three other guys that have the same shit you do, but throw 85 miles per hour. So he basically said, yeah, you know, good luck to you. Kick rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So we went home <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a little discouraging, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it was a nice campus. It was it was great and everything. Um, and then, uh, you know, the winter. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I went to Belleville one time. I went to Southern Illinois in Carbondale. Um, and I just didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I, I, I thought it'd be great to go to Middle Georgia College. But you know what? I never really got a call from those guys again, and, and they never – they never really offered anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I didn't push enough or, or if they just weren't interested, I don't know, but um, I didn't really, you know, so I just kind of set that to the side going into my senior year. So you never committed anyone? I did after my senior year. Okay. Okay. Then that's coming up, which is really interesting too, but um, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So, so, so I go into my senior year, and now I am beyond ready for this year because I know that this is every single, every single moment, every single pitch from here on out is going to determine my future sure. in, in baseball. So I was amped up every single pitch that I threw. It was nothing but everything. And then some, it really there was. There we go. I love that. Well, so like I would I would I would be at home watching Cardinal games and Todd Stottlemyre was on the um he was pitching for the Cardinals at the time. Yeah. And I watched him and his mannerisms and his attitude and he just looked angry out there. And I 
I realize that if I don't pl- if I don't play the game and if I don't pitch angry, oh. I'm not going to be my best. Because okay. I know that when I get angry, I am at my very best physically. You know, what would you use to, to, to get yourself into an angry place? Any kind of motivation or thoughts? Or- yeah. So the moment I would stand on that mound, and I remember just like yesterday, this is against Petersburg Porta, the first game of the year in 97. I'm standing on the mound and I pull that cap down, kind of like Andy Pettit. We go. And all of a sudden it's like something just triggers me and I, and I lose and I turn off my humanity switch. Ooh. You like that? Okay. That, yeah. That's from, that, that's from the vampire diaries. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> anyway. You ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is so great. That's so I turn my humanity. I yeah. That. So I would, I would have my hat pulled down. And I'd be breathing, I'd be huffing and puffing, okay, ready for that pitch. Yeah, you know, and um, everything that I worked so hard for, it was everything was into that one pitch. Um, and that first game, I mowed like you wouldn't believe. I I might have thrown a no hitter or like a five inning no hitter or. Maybe I only threw four innings, but I think I struck out 11 batters. Yeah. My buddy, Darren McMasters, a longtime friend, he was assistant coach with Glenwood. And I, I, he grew up like a big brother to me. We had a great time together, hanging out, uh, watching baseball and stuff. And, and he would remind me like how many K's I had during a game, or he would say to me, more K's, more K's. And he would remind me, you know. He certainly got a lot of them this year, bud. Yeah, because because he's because you know he realized how valuable Kate you know strikeouts were, and then I started realizing it. And next thing you know, um, game two, Smitty. My senior, yeah. Let me let me pause you. Yeah. Let me let me get a little bit. Let me set the tone a little bit for you. The senior year, I think this is really magical. I've got some quotes I'd love to get through a little bit before we just really get into your senior year. Is that cool with you? Yes. And I got a Dennis Worth clip, so I got another Dennis. Yeah, no, okay, another great. Dennis. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not a secret that you had an absolutely monster senior year. 1.28 ERA, 14 wins, 150 Ks, which was the uh, the Glenwood all-time single-season K until like a year or two ago. One of the Detmers kids got you, I think, by, yeah. by a couple. Uh, you led the CSA in all pitching pitching categories. Um, I've got some Skippy Clayton quotes I want to get through. Skippy <laughs> Clayton, of course, yeah. from the famous Clayton family. I'm talking Skippy, Billy, Marky, Jimmy. You know what that was making me think of? It wouldn't be chatting baseball without those folks. Love Clayton boys, man. I love (laughs) some baseball, man. Whenever I say their names in order, it makes me think of that. Remember in like Goodwill Hunting when he like talks about his brothers? He's like, Maki, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mike. Yeah, (laughs) how do you like them apples? (laughs) (laughs) Them Clayton boys and Skippy could play it, boy. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, He said Jay was as good as it got in high school pitching. Uh, He got a front row seat to see all his strikeouts. He was a center fielder. but not a lot of balls hit my way. He absolutely dominated. Um, had complete command of his pitches. His secondary stuff was elite. His work ethic was top-notch. Uh, when Jay took the mound, you knew complete dominance was about to happen. He was one of the good guys to the younger guys, and I thought that was cool, you know? Yeah. Sometimes in baseball, like, you know, there is some, you know, ribbing up and, you know, yeah. gassing up the young guys. So good for you for – Yeah, and I'm, I'm just too soft to, to be a, a, 
a tough guy. So yeah. I just embrace the the softness and yeah. and uh, yeah to the younger guys. And and Skippy, I am not sorry that you didn't get any balls hit to you, buddy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I said you were one of the good guys to the younger guys. Understood the game really well. Was always willing to teach and pass on. His mound presence, a complete bulldog. I can't tell you how many people said the word bulldog when they talked about you. Uh, loved getting ahead in the count. Could do whatever he wanted on the mound. Made a lot of good hitters look foolish. We had a bunch of great athletes on that 96 team. Worth, Crawford, Fell, Downs, Ramsey, Moreland, ETC. Uh, Jay always had a good time, but when it came to start, he flipped the switch, turned the switch on. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, always a great teammate on and off the field. Dominated his whole high school career. Uh, every time he took the mound, you got his best. Jay was such a great player. Let me get through a couple movies here, too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, and like the, the obviously the legendary coach Pat Mooney, eight, 893 wins, 296 losses, uh, you know, multiple state championships, 35 seasons. Uh, <clears throat> we just had that funny story about you in sixth grade. He said he had you from sixth grade. So he used to actually coach like the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teams in the yeah. fall, right? Yeah, yeah so middle get, school. Get, get eyes on get eyes on guys coming to the into the program uh it's great his mechanics were so good he could go deep into pitch counts because his mechanics were so elite um the best game he beat moline in the 96 semifinal game we talked about that uh we had that that funny clip about you guys walking and that guy kind of talking shit about you from the year before and then you shove yeah. uh yeah jay, jay threw his slider down and into righties just like we were talking about it yeah. was devastating he used to bury it it was important to have a really good catcher to block it and throw him out so obviously we know who your catcher was. No need yeah. to say his name. Uh, Jay had a lot of confidence to throw it in the dirt because of Jason. Uh, he would come inside with the fastball. Uh, his out pitch was a slider. Wasn't afraid to challenge guys. Wasn't afraid to buzz one. Make guys, you know, dance a little bit. Uh, a ton of composure. I put him in the state game because of that. Nothing phased him uh, after that tough outing his sophomore year. And that's cool. Yeah. Because you, you kind of talked about that being a turning point for you. Being like, you know, I'm never going to be like this again like this is a turning yeah. point for me so really cool to hear him echo that that's awesome uh, yeah totally totally different person on the mound would pull the cap over his nose and it was time to go to work he was a competitor uh said i can't pass up this chance uh when you got drafted i gotta take this shot i uh, wouldn't be able to live with myself without it um yeah. yeah there we go and then i'm gonna play one dennis worth clip for you and i just i love the dennis worth stuff and you said it yeah. perfectly in the first episode where you said he was a big leaguer with a big league personality. And he, yeah. I think that's that perfectly is yeah. Dennis Ware. Here we Absolutely. go. I mean, if, if, if people could see what I saw when he was 13 and then him being drafted at 18, mm-hmm. I, I, they would hit themselves in the head. They'd go, no, that, there's no way this kid's going to get drafted. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like I said, a lot of pitching is in the legs, and my wife is the one that that created his legs, and and got rid of all of his little belly fat. So yeah, um, and got him off the couch, you know, playing video games and eating bonbons and all that bullshit. So tennis worth. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, she, yeah, she paved the way. You know, she, she taught me road work. Yeah, you know, Olympic athlete. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah, and yeah, and I love what uh, Coach Mumi was saying. Um, you know, I appreciate that that he appreciated me and and was confident in giving me the ball. 
and it was great that he got to see me from sixth grade on. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's just another awesome story in my little story of baseball, and that's Coach Mooney's legendary status. Yeah, what a know? legend. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, before then, we yeah. before we move on, I gotta say one thing, and I, I'm, you're gonna help me with this. Yeah. I'm I'm, bi- I'm big into manifesting things and saying things out loud. I want to someday tell the Kim Worth story on here. I think it would be absolutely amazing. She's a little hesitant. So if anyone out there wants to give her some encouragement, go ahead and help me out a little bit. Kim Kimber, story. Yep. Kimber, do the Kim Worth story. I I am waiting <laughs> to be interviewed. Yep. Cat Daddy is going to be in the interview room waiting to be interviewed. Yep. I, pro- I promise epic, you it would be epic. She's got such an amazing story. I would just love to tell it, man. I just, I, I think so highly of that family and like, I mean, one of the most athletic families of all time. She has her own athletic story, but then she raises arguably yeah. one of the most athletic families in American history. Yeah. And, and, like, and, and overshadowed by her brother, her dad, and her son. She's the real superstar right? though. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay. There we go. Yeah. All right. Senior year game two. Let's go. Game two, um, we played Athens. We played at Athens. And this is where some of my strikeout numbers got ridiculous. Um, yeah. I was really on a roll. I was I was now starting to become obsessed with strikeouts because I started to really understand how to set up a, a, a batter. Right. And my control was better than ever. My velocity was harder than ever. Everything was coming together so well. What do you feel like you were throwing at this time, below wise? Probably 84, 85, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Maybe maybe higher, maybe a little lower, you know, depending. Um, but every single pitch, I was given my 150%. It was yeah. – I mean, I, I couldn't believe how much effort I was putting into every single pitch. I would throw harder and throw harder and throw harder. That was my mentality. And were you a long toss guy at all? Were you in, is that something you yeah. subscribe to? Yeah, I always threw long toss, um, you know, once or twice a week or once between starts, you know, that or before a start, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so this game against Athens, um, I ended up striking out all 12 batters I faced. After the ninth or after the eighth strikeout in a row, in the third inning, I had this batter 0-2, this left-handed batter, yeah. the, the ninth batter in the lineup, going for my ninth strikeout in a row, and I throw a nasty curveball, and the kid ducks under it, and it bonks him on the head right down the middle, <laughs> and he gets to take his base. Oh, no. Yeah. So that would have been nine in a row. Well, I ended yeah. up striking out 12 batters yeah. in, in four innings that game. And yeah. I also hit my only home run of the game. You hit a, you hit a bomb? Yep. My, the boy. only home run I ever hit. It was, a, it was funny because it was actually a fly ball down the left field line. I was a left-handed batter. Oppo, huh? Oppo. Yep. And I also had a, a, an RBI double that game. So I was two for two or something with 12 strikeouts in four innings. Get it done at the plate too, bud. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know what? I I never really hit much, you know, other than you know Willie McGee stuff. So that was kind of a big <laughs> deal for me. Were you using well, your own stance? 
Yes, I was, because I was okay. in a serious mode, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so then as the season went on, I actually lost a, a tough game against Griffin my next outing. So I was already down two to one. Okay. It was the coldest day ever. Yeah, Central Illinois baseball yep. pretty darn cold in spring. Could not get my feeling. We ended up losing four to three or something like that. Very, like it was just an uncharacteristic game for me. But yeah. Frank Stefano, I think, pitched against me and and Frank the Tank. Love yeah, that he, guy. I think he got the win. Frank went on um, to play pro ball. Yep, yep. It was a huge win for for them. Yeah. And that year we played both. Team, or the same team twice in the week. So Tuesday, Thursday. Uh-huh. So that next game was at Lamphere against uh, Griffin. That, that team would have probably had Ryan O'Malley too. Ryan O'Malley. Yeah. So, yeah. so we were, we were down, I think nine runs in this game and we we're ready to lose two, two games in a row, both to Griffin and we have never lost two games in a row in the conference ever since since right. the CS8 had been right. a conference. Right. We ended up uh, – Ryan O'Malley that game hit one of the furthest balls I've ever seen. It really? was it like went over the scoreboard that night. Oh, he could absolutely swing it, boy. He had Holy. Yeah. That was people a mammoth People forget. Bomb. Yeah, people forget how, how, how deadly his, his bat was. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome because I had a, a great view of it from the first base dugout. <laughs> but um, but miraculously, we came back and won that game. It was like we were down, we were going to lose. We came back and won, and we just mowed through the conference the rest of the year. So yeah. I'm I'm striking out a dozen batters a game for the next several games. Hey, this would have been this would have been the year that I saw you. I remember I, I told you at the very start that you were one of my core memories, and I remember you just like dicing. I don't remember what team it was, but it seemingly you struck out every batter, and pretty much you had to do that pretty much yeah. every game. Well, that's awesome because well, I remember one game. It was against East Peoria. It was a Saturday doubleheader, and I had the first game of the doubleheader, and I struck out sixteen batters. I was throwing about eighty six, eighty seven that day. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, and then probably my my best performance of the year, seventeen strikeouts at Taylorville. I struck out the first ten batters of the game. Wow! And it was nothing but I was throwing heaters for strikes on on the outside corner, and then I would throw that curveball or slider down in the dirt, and work would just dig it up, and boom, boom. I mean, yeah. Now the funny thing about the 17 strikeouts at Taylorville and striking out the first 10 batters was the very next pitch after my 10th strikeout in a row. I, my, the very next pitch, this kid pops up, he, he pops it up and it goes over the right field fence at Taylorville. Oh, that, that short porch. Yeah. yeah and it was, just hilar- it was hilarious because I had, and then everyone thought no one was going to touch me. Yeah. And then the next pitch, this kid popped it up and it was a home run. It was hilarious. It was actually it, it, like, it, it can't be overstated how short that porch was. I don't know if yeah. it's still the same field or not. But I mean, it might be 220. Yeah. I mean, it's short, right, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And it, but that's it, it, how funny it was. Like, I was yeah. striking out everybody like yeah. it was nothing. And then this kid pops it up and it, yeah, it was just, yeah, but 17 was my career high. But 
all year. Um, you know, I struck out 14 against Springfield, 13 against Jacksonville. Um, yeah. I struck out 11, I think, in a shutout at Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln was always a tough, tough team for us to beat. Uh-huh. And that was Josh Komnick yep. and another couple really good players on that team. And I went to their ballpark and shut them out with like 11 Ks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere you looked, I'm striking out double digit guys. Um, and in between my starts, I would actually come to the ballpark. I would, I would go to our baseball field about an hour before practice every day. Cause I would get out early from school because I had that early bird class. Right. And I would just run for a half hour and do workouts up until practice started or before a game that I knew I wasn't going to play in. And That's awesome. coach, yeah, coach would just leave me alone. He would let me just do workouts and, and prep in between starts. And he would just let me not even practice if I didn't want to. Really? Yeah, it was that so you're, nice. You're- you're getting kind of treated like almost like a professional pitcher at this point. Yeah. As a high school there, senior. Yeah. Like I would sometimes, if the weather wasn't nice, I would just stay at home and run, run on my treadmill and then I would show up to practice. He, he, he trusted you to be on your own program essentially. Yeah. That you were doing yeah. your work. Yeah. And, and so, and basically what I was doing was following <laughs> Kim Worst's running program. Yeah. And I just kind of created my own, you know, fitness type of routine. You know, I was kind of like, I love being a starter. I love the routine of it all, like working out in between sessions and uh, yeah, getting ready for my next start, which was just like, it was beyond important. It was like game day. It was like everything because all I could think about was someone's going to see me and I'm going to go to a really awesome baseball school. Really? That was yeah, that was all that I was hoping for, you know. Yeah. And also, obviously, you want to win, and you also had Jason Worth to watch every day. So yeah. During during our senior year, aside from what I was accomplishing, I was seeing one of the best baseball seasons anyone could ever have. That's the damn truth. History, the damn yeah. truth. Crazy, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So Jason Worth, the the. So in, in the summer of 96, before our senior year, he was going to this camp, you know, this tryout camp and that tryout camp, you know, taking batting practice, hitting balls to the warning track with a wooden bat, you know, tall, skinny kid. Yeah. But, you know, great catching mechanics, great mm-hmm. pop time, you know, played Pan Am games. You know, obviously they're looking at him hard. Yeah, he's fast too, a good at, great really? athlete. Yeah, yeah. but – Like I had that humanity switch turned off in my senior year. This kid did so as well, but you add all of the genes and all of the athleticism and all the gifts that this kid had, and you add the, the, the hunger, the, the mental makeup, and you got yourself a kid hitting 600 his senior year. Yeah. Yeah, 17 home runs and 40-some games. Ridiculous. Absolutely there, ridiculous. There, there were some games. That there, there was one home run, Blake, where I saw this. I, we're, we were tied in the last inning, and Jason came up. It was a Saturday doubleheader, and it was against uh, – um, 
Metamora. And Jason just basically willed the ball over the fence. It looked like he was out in front. It looked like he was just trying to pop the ball up and just place it over the fence. That's how on fire this dude was that year. <laughs> place it there, over the fence. <laughs> there was other times when he looked like crap in a, in a certain bat, and then the next thing you know, he's sitting a line drive off the top of the right field fence. Yeah. Um, one time at home against Jacksonville, or not Jacksonville, uh, Rochester, just one of those non-conference weekday games that we ended up winning, but um, he just – demolished this ball over the road behind the left field fence. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was video game. It was just, yeah. he was just, it was a, a, a major leaguer against high schoolers. It was that much of a difference. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And every time there was a base runner on and I'm holding the runner on, no one would run. Right. Everyone's thrown out. It was that, yeah much of a joke i know i i'm so glad you're, you're talking about this because i yeah. i told my i made a promise to myself before this podcast that i was not going to turn this into the jason worth story like i i obviously you but guys are very inter- intertwined yeah it has to be yeah, you guys are very intertwined but i just didn't want to like personally be like tell me about jason worth tell me about jason worth so, wasn't like, for awesome me, that you're, yeah if th- it wasn't for me worth wouldn't have made it to the majors i mean you know <laughs> So, so thank you for bringing it up and it kind of yeah. organically happening. Obviously, it's a part of the story. And just witnessing yeah. that must have been, like, so incredible to see, like, a well, first-round talent. And, you know, we were seeing a lot of great things from him, bits and pieces, in the previous years. I remember in basketball, our sophomore year, he was a, he was a starting point guard for our varsity basketball team. Oh, yeah, he, he, could, he could dunk. He was dunking and sprinting. He was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, but he could he could dunk his sophomore year, but he couldn't dunk very often. Or I think he was just starting to. Okay. And he, you know, we we were uh, we were playing Southeast, and this was at Glenwood, and we were coming back or barely hanging on to win, and it was this pandemonium there. And Worth got on the break, and I thought he was just going to lay it up. And he yes. went, he went up for it to, and tried to dunk it and he ended up missing, <laughs> but everyone, I, I mean, everyone I think was shocked that he even tried Yeah. and it was kind of stupid for him to try because it was very untimely to miss because it was like, <laughs> Oh shit, you know, you, you needed to make that basket. Yeah. But the next season I saw him dunking a game. Oh, seriously though. He was dunking like a man. Yeah. And then, well, and then his senior year. It was like showtime all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there were times when, well, we had a pretty good basketball team our senior year, and we, we did, you know, we, we won some games. I used to, but I yeah, used to go was, to those games. Yeah. I, used oh, to, yeah. I grew up, I grew up we're, we're very close family friends with Griff Jurgens, the Jurgens family. So oh, I, cool. I went to so many Glenwood sporting events. I'm, I'm wearing a, uh, if you can see, yeah, an old Glenwood oh. Redskins shirt right now. Like I, Griff was my absolute idol growing up. So I, oh my god, I went to, I went to all these events, all yeah. these games. Like I, I, I was there. Yeah. yeah, Griff, Griff was my idol too, <laughs> and he was a sophomore and I was a senior. But yeah, <laughs> he had an awesome garage and a basketball hoop in his garage. Wasn't too. that amazing? What a yeah. setup he had. Yeah, football field in his backyard too. 
Yeah, Kim Kimmer and I would always run out towards his house. Okay. That was like kind of our route. Right on. Yeah. Towards yeah. Griff's house. Yeah. Know that facility well. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. so yeah, so Jason, um, yeah, he put on a show in basketball. I remember um I was sitting with Kim at a, a game in uh let's see, it was at Lanfear or somewhere in the city. And there was a Houston, there was two scouts from Houston, University of Houston that were there to watch him play basketball. Really? Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. And it it could have been maybe the baseball scouts were there to watch him play basketball, but they were the baseball scouts. But yeah, they were, uh, they were in attendance, you know, so just to give me an idea of what kind of exposure Jason had, even when he wasn't playing baseball, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, our senior year, yeah, he's just um, dominating, you know, stolen bases, runs scored. No one can get him out. Mumi, Mumi bats him leadoff because that was a way to get him in the lineup as many times as possible. Yeah, and, yeah. and here's another important thing. Uh, Mumi was afraid that they were going to try and walk him. Yeah, pitch around him. So they, so he hit him leadoff so that it would, you know, if they wanted to walk him, they're walking the leadoff batter of the game. Yeah. You know, because it's automatic second and maybe a third um, steal third. For sure. But yeah, so we, this team of ours, our senior year wasn't as strong as the, the 96 champs or the 95 state title game or team, but we still won 30 games. I was 12 and one, uh, as you know, with my record and my strikeout record, we went into the, the playoffs. Who's the, who was the typical starting nine? Typical starting nine, um, was Jason leading off, uh, downs hitting in the middle of the order. Uh, Scott Metz hitting pretty high in the lineup. Um, let me think Chris Ross made, he was on our team the senior year. Okay. Yeah. He was our right fielder. He he came on. He was a freshman, and okay. he came on during the later part of the year. He was on. With... He was on the '98 uh, football team. Yeah, he was their starting team. running back. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and Skippy was he in center field? Skippy was in center. Downs was in left. Uh, Matt Whalen was at first. Um, Jordan Williams played second, Scott Metz played third, or Kyle Mooney played third. Yeah. Um, and our shortstop was Griff. Yeah, so yeah, Griff was our shortstop. Um, so so yeah, we had a younger team, um, except for Waylon Downs. Uh Ryan Green was on our team. He's a athletic director, I think, for Chatham or for Riverton okay. or something. Yeah, so we still won 30 games. We went, we uh, we got um, through the playoffs to the sectionals, and that's when the draft was coming up. Yeah. So, so uh, after, um, so after the first two games of the regional, there was one more game to win the regional championships to move on to the sectionals to eventually get to the state again. So I'm, I'm in the regional championship game against Quincy and it's at Lanfear ballpark. 
and this was the day before the draft. And I had been thinking about the draft and I thought it would be awesome to be drafted, but I had no idea about ever being drafted or if that it would even be possible. So it never really crossed my mind. So no scouts were telling you you're going to go in this round? Nothing nope. like that? Okay. Nope. All I knew was that the draft was coming up and that worth was all the talk. And that was really exciting that we were getting ready for Jason to be drafted possibly in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, had this, we had this championship regional game to win first and it was my game. And I went out there and I think we won three to nothing. I struck out nine batters. I remember one kid hit a, a laser towards the wall off of my slider. He was looking for my slider and absolutely crushed it and downs in left field did like a bump Bailey catch. Like in, in <laughs> nice the natural, nice except yeah. Downs lived to tell about it. He he caught the ball and basically ran right into the wall, like and it was the greatest catch ever. And I waited for him to come out off the field. I waited for him on the field, and I gave yeah. him a big hug. And I'm like, "You saved my ass." But th- now that was just another big moment that just solidified that season and my dominance, you know, and luck. Yeah. Um, another, another big strikeout game. You know, I was just on a tear. So this, just, this, this, this new yeah. curveball was just dicing everyone up. No one could touch it. Yeah. Um, my control. I mean, I just on fire every game. Yeah. I just very confident. You confident, but just never letting up. I remember. There you go. Just saying like. Try harder, try harder, more effort, more effort. Sure. Um, and that's how <clears throat> all those K's racked up. It never really was, you know, on purpose to 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 uh, break the record. But but the record was only a hundred strikeouts in a season held by Feld. Really? Yeah, and I ended up getting hundred and fifty. Yeah, you blew through that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just the man possessed. I was just obsessed with striking out batters. Yeah. Or, you know, getting outs, obviously, and winning games. But I was just really good at, you know, throwing strikes and and uh, swinging and missing. I was just – it was just – I couldn't believe how – it was just – I was in another world. I really pretty, was. Pretty magical season for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so after we shook hands – on the field after that regional championship game. And it, that, that was a big deal too, because we won yet another regional championship. Even if we weren't going to win the state cha- or sectionals, and even if we weren't going to go to state and, and win state again, the fact that we won a conference again and we won a regional championship again was just another uh, you know awesome thing that we always overlooked because we we're always looking to go to the next level or the next round or whatever. Sure. Well, I remember a coach coming up to me and, and, or telling our team, you know, this means a lot guys, you know, no matter what happens from here on out, this is something to be proud of. We've won yet another regional, you know, look at all these teams we play, look at all these good ball players, you know, and, and then Mumi had some, a few last words for me. 
out on the field before we walked off after that game. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I don't know if you're going to get drafted tomorrow. But I really hope you do. And I really think you deserve it. Oh, that's cool. It was a really nice thing to say. And I was like, okay, you know, cool. I'm like, I'm not really worried about it. Never, you know, I'm just seriously not. Yeah, I just. Isn't that so yeah. that makes me makes me laugh, though? It's, it makes, I'm thinking back to that. He being on the bus in sixth grade and asking him, Coach, do you think I'm going to pitch next year? Yeah. And here it is, like, you know, six years later, he's like, I hope you get drafted. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then, like, and, and even, and during those times, uh, Mumi and I would actually, I would go to Mumi's house and, and hang out with them and watch, uh, like, NBA All Star game. Yeah. And other sporting events over at his house and talk. And we became good friends my senior year. So, so after that game, you know, we go home and the next day was draft day and yeah. I was really excited, but the way I wanted to start my draft day, even though I had really no idea what was going to happen. And I was just like, you know, really happy for Jason and I'm really need to get ready for my next start. I went out for a run. Cause that's what I do the day after um, my start. Had Jason already been drafted at this point? No, not yet. No, it okay. was, I got up early that morning, ran my three miles and got ready for the draft party at, at worst house. Right. Worth, uh, worth lived just down the street for me. So I could just walk up and down the street. And uh, so after I got done with my run, we go over to his house, bunch of people arrive. And finally, some announcement came on, some weak signal from the internet back in the day that was being carried by our, our school um, channel, you know, our high school channel. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it showed Jason's name and pick with the Orioles and everyone just erupted and Jason cried. Yeah. That was so hugged, cool. Yeah, yeah. Hugged his mom. And, uh we all celebrated and hung out for a while. And then I decided to go home later on that day, a buddy came over, my friend, Darren, and he's just a big baseball fan and we're huge baseball fans. And, and uh, we we're talking about Jason and getting drafted and stuff. And then um, we, we didn't really have a computer over at my house at the time, <laughs> but my neighbor, she did have a computer with the internet, you know, the dial up thing. And, and, uh, Darren, Darren suggested that we go over to her house and see if she, we can get online and see, you know, the other draft picks. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we go over there, hang out, get on the computer, look at, uh, the 97 first round picks and like JD drew was on there and yeah, you know, whoever, well, whatever, but you know, when we saw Jason on there, and then moments later, Barb Crawford, Mama Crawford, comes storming into the house, <laughs> like bawling her eyes out. It was like someone had just died. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Oakland A's are on the phone. They want to draft you. Wow. So Darren and I look at each other like, holy shit. And we just jump out of our chairs and run over to the house. And so what happened was 
the party over at Worst House moved over to the Crawford House. Wow, that's cool. So all of a sudden, now the problem the the the, the problem with this was my draft selection wasn't quite official yet. Uh-huh. It was it was a call from the scout asking if I was signable, and would would you know if we took Jay Crawford in the sixteenth round, is he signable? And my dad said yes. My dad took the call because I wasn't home. Right. So then Dan said that they'd call back after they make the selection or something. So basically the whole party just, we all just erupted, hanging out, um, just a a great time. It was just uh, unbelievable, all these people coming over and celebrating and I called the coach from middle Georgia and I said, Hey coach, uh, you know, I'm still interested in playing for you, but I just want to let you know, I just got drafted and he's was like, Holy cow. Are you serious? Oh my God. And then I told him why (laughs) I told him how many strikeouts I had. Yeah. And he just couldn't believe it. And I said, I'll, I'll be in touch. And that was it. You know, I never talked to him again, but (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I got some phone calls, you know, from people, and um, yeah, I just couldn't even think straight anymore. Um, I remember getting a, I remember getting a phone call the next morning from a radio station, and I was still half asleep. Yeah, asking me how it was going and all that stuff, and uh, I mean, did did, did yeah. someone from Oakland call you and talk to you actually? Like, no, actually, um, I was uh, right. I was gone, I was gone the next day, and they called. And they talked to my parents again, and they said, "You're you were drafted in the twenty fourth round." Okay. Wait. So you didn't even know it was officially the twenty fourth round till the next day. Yep. Wow. Yep. yep. So that was kind of weird. I mean, that's I don't crazy. know. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that's how it happened, and then uh, so then the next several days were you know just trying to let it sink in and try and figure out. Wow, if so, I just got drafted. What now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I still had to finish my high school year, we still had sectionals, and hopefully, we'll make it to state. Yeah, um, but now I'm I'm a draft pick, and I'm like, well, maybe I don't have to go to college. Yeah, you know, and Man, is so, this, this must feel so cool for you. I mean, it just like Six or seven years before this, like like you like we've talked about, you were kind of like yeah okay say that again six oh, okay sorry so yeah I I, I took a call yeah. or someone tried to call me I was oh. just saying that it's it's crazy that you know just six or seven years before this you're this kind of pudgyish unathletic kid who forced himself into you know better shape who worked who persevered who soaked up all this knowledge around him and now you're drafted I just I I, I love stories like this this is why I'm so romantic about baseball man this is so cool. Yeah, and you know what? And what's incredible about this is there is still, even though I had a short-lived baseball career, there is still so much more that I'm going to, I'm about to accomplish after this moment. But I, I just, I didn't even know what the hell happened, and I'm like, wow, I'm, I can really possibly do this. Like I can really become a, a, a major league baseball player. And, and so all this hard work went from 
hoping to go to a good junior college to pitch yeah. to possibly going to to be a professional you know baseball player yeah man and it's i hope you you take this the right way when i say this but you were definitely in the right place at the right time too right like being surrounded by you know the the jason worth kind of circus and like is it does the same thing happen to you if you do this at southeast you know I, i don't know right i mean everything had to happen perfectly like that yeah worth had to move to chatham he had to block my sliders and curveballs. <laughs> he had to hit home runs to help me win games. Yeah. Um, Kim Kim helped me crazy become a better athlete. Dennis was a great coach. I mean, of course, of course, I owe everything or a lot to to right. the worst and Jason, and I would not trade it for the world because yeah. it was like baseball heaven. Yeah. And I was just a spillover, you know, a, a positive spillover in, 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 in all of it. So dang cool, man. You know, I was just kind of, um, taking advantage of everything. Yes, you were. You know, yeah, absolutely. This, this opportunity opened for me, but you, you know, Dennis it. and Jason opened all these opportunities for me years ago and all these tournaments, you know, and, and Dennis saying stuff like, Hey, a Marlin scouts here today. You know, and I'm only 14, 15 years old pitching in a meaningless tournament game. Right. You know, but when he said, hey, this Florida Marlins scout's there today, you know, talking to someone and I'm overhearing it, that's like extra motivation, incentive. Sure. And coming from Dennis was such a big deal. And that, that influence, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, I had at my fingertips, I had all these resources and all these, this network growing of yeah connections and look what i did with it yeah so cool you know yeah yeah so what was this process now once you're once you're drafted and you're still kind of trying to finish your senior year yeah so i had a couple of uh like parent brother meetings i would have once in a while i'd have a friend or two over and uh yeah and and once in a while, um, like one time I had Coach Mumi over um, with my parents to talk about my decision because I knew um, I was going to be faced with, you know, whether going to college or going pro based on like what kind of money they're going to offer me and what kind of college they're going to offer me. Right. All of this was really new to me. I didn't really know what a cash bonus was. I didn't know what four years of school meant. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out, but when you get drafted out of high school or well at, at all for that matter, at that time, major league baseball would offer um, a cash incentive to sign with them. And also um, if necessary, they would offer uh, scholarship money. Right. Sometimes the bigger draft picks would just get like all cash. And sometimes uh, maybe a, a player would just get school money offered, but it'd be a lot of school money. So, yeah. so I really don't know. I mean, I, when I got to know other players with the A's after I signed, I learned what their cash bonuses were and all that stuff. Cause people would talk all the time about what they got, but sure. So, 
so I would talk to my coach, Mumi, and some friends about, you know, what kind of decision I'm going to make and what to expect. And, and then my, uh, then my scout, Joe Robinson at the time with the A's, uh, he came over one night and talked about, you know, the whole process and what they offer, um, and what it all means. And so he basically said, this is what we'll offer you. And if you want to sign, you can report to Phoenix, Arizona, you know, in 10 days or whatever. <laughs> Take yeah. Or leave it, huh? so, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, there was long, it was a long conversation, you know, we had like a dinner and everything. Um, but it wasn't just a hard offer. Um, it was just like, what do you think of this? So he basically said, we'll offer you $12,000 cash and we'll give you four years of school at roughly $30,000. So, so if you want to do it, you know, this is what's going to happen. You'll forfeit all of your college, uh, baseball eligibility. And you play pro and you get a cash bonus and you get four years of free school. Yeah. Um, or you just go to college and you take your chance and we will follow you to college. Um, when players yeah. like me got drafted back then, I don't know draft, how it is. Now. Draft and follow used to be a thing. Yeah. Draft and follow. So they said, wherever you sign in college, we'll still have, our name tied to you as a draft selection will follow you through college and watch you next year and see how you perform and maybe sign you then. Right. Or you can get redrafted. Right. But I knew that it was a big risk if you go to college and don't take that chance of playing pro ball. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get that opportunity again. Yeah. You know, you know, Billy Clayton. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's not easy because you don't want to doubt yourself. You want to bet on yourself. Like I look, I like those kinds of stories, Sure. but I'll tell you right now, no one was going to change my mind about playing professional baseball. I had my mind made up. This is what I absolutely wanted to do. Hell yeah. So, so whether I even deserve to get drafted <laughs> or yeah, or no matter what shit bonus I got or offer, my whole goal was just to get to pro ball. Yeah. I just had to do it. It was, and, and a lot of people ask me all the time, do you regret not, you know, take taking your chances and going to college? No way. I totally understand why you would, but my, my thinking, my whole attitude towards it all was I'm just not going to take any chances and I just want to be a pro ball player. Yeah, 100%. Should, should I have gone to college? Probably, like hindsight, all that stuff. But should I have gone to Lincoln Land? Yes. I should have gone to Lincoln Land, you know, based on everything we know. <laughs> but I still don't regret no. my decision because I had to be a professional baseball player. It's I think you it did the right thing. No, I, I think yeah. you were there in the right place at the right time. I think your whole story is, is all timing. You're right place, right time. And this is, you're in the right place at the right time and take advantage of this opportunity. I think it was a great decision. Yep. So I, I, uh, you know, talked to the scout. 
they they anted up a little bit more in the way of cash, and they offered me fifteen thousand dollars, okay, and thirty two thousand dollars for school. So basically, eight thousand a year for school scholarship money. Yeah, if baseball doesn't work out, mm-hmm. so I decided to go for it, and by June thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven, I am a, an Oakland A. That is so cool, man. Yep. Yep. So, so between deciding to go and signing was one thing, but I also got done with my senior year. We lost in the sectionals, but not before I won one more game in the sectional, you know, the first game of the sectionals, I beat Morton. Mm -hmm. I had another seven strikeouts. This was my first start after being drafted and I was very messed up because of getting drafted. Yeah, that would be a weird feeling. Yeah, yeah. I was mentally like checking I out did, a little bit. Yep, yep. I was just so deflated or something. It was weird. Um, but we got through it and we won, and that kind of solidified and stamped my entire season with okay. one last victory. So I ended my uh my high school career uh with a 30 and four record. Yeah. Um that senior year, I struck out 150 batters in 90 innings, um, and I was just on another planet and heading to Phoenix, Arizona for rookie ball. Oh, man. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Take us there. So, so uh, we went to Peoria, Illinois for... We met my scout at the Peoria Chiefs Stadium because he had to be somewhere and he was up north somewhere. So we met him there to sign the contract and it was on the trunk of my parents' car. So we got all that paperwork done. And a few days later, I flew out to Phoenix. Um, I remember being at the airport. My dad, I'm pretty sure he ran away to go cry yeah absolutely yeah and uh that's that's a that's a big moment for a dad i remember my dad cried when i went to my first spring training you know and uh yeah for sure yeah huge moment yeah um so i flew out there and uh i just you know i had no idea what i was doing i mean i've never traveled before other than for for baseball of course but never like this yeah didn't didn't know anybody um, so I arrived at Papago Park, uh, near the Phoenix Zoo. This is in South Scottsdale, Arizona, near Phoenix. Yep. This is where the A's minor league field was or other fields. And it was just the best, absolute best spring training complex you could ever have. Yeah. Um, and this was where Mark McGuire, you know, made his name, Jose Canseco, all oh, yeah. these guys hanging out at this complex. And I was right. I was at the end of the Bash Brothers era because this was 97. Yeah. And McGuire was about to get traded to the Cardinals. Okay. So the A's are basically getting dismantled as we speak. Right. So as I arrive at Phoenix, uh, they were already playing a game. And they played like 10 o'clock every morning. Uh, during the season so the rookie ball season was played at 10 o'clock 
And before every game, there was a two-hour practice that we would have, which included conditioning and batting practice. Yeah. So, you know, I got is that, active. Is that, is, that, is that because it's so hot there? Yes. So early? Yeah. So I, I ended up playing independent ball there. and we But we played night games, and it'd be like 110. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah we, we, we switched it up and played night games in the middle of the year. So, but our batting practice would be at four o'clock in the afternoon and it's 110 degrees. So, I mean, it just didn't matter. It was just too hot all the time. Yeah, really was. But, um, I got acclimated just, you know, just fine. Um, I think a lot of dudes that were, that I, uh, got to know and played with, they, 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 a lot of them immediately liked me and rooted for me because I was never an ego guy. Right. And I was kind of just soft and just nice, you know, <laughs> and, and when I pitch, you know, everyone was rooting for me. They always wanted me to do good, you know? Yeah. And I think it was part of, you know, just cause I didn't have much stuff either. Like I did have a good curveball. I was a funky lefty, right. but I had nothing special, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it, it it was easy to root for me, I guess. Now, were you seeing you know, some guys there that did have some pretty special stuff? Yeah, well, see, I almost look at my ex, my professional baseball experience as probably like a fantasy baseball experience. Because even though I was playing tough, you know, rookie ball games and it was blistering heat, and it was miserable and everyone everyone would rather be home i was i was like that too but i was also like oh my god i am a pro ball player this is the greatest life ever and you never know you never know who you're going to play against and you never know who's going to walk through those doors and get to know you and talk to you yeah. and and so what a, what a great outlook man that's that's yeah. beautiful yeah, so while it sucked playing in this heat and these games, um, you know, I, I got to know, you know, a few, like, former major leaguers. I got to meet, like, Mike Gallego. Mm -hmm. I got to meet Billy Bean. Oh, um, cool. he, wow. Yeah, he, he just started his general manager tenure back then. So Moneyball was kind of, like, becoming a thing, like, eventually. Yeah, um, yeah so – a lot of the, the, the kids that I played with in rookie ball, only maybe one or two ended up making the major leagues. Right. But, you know, I still am really good friends with some of the players on that team today. Um, and, and, you know, what's funny, too, is when I started playing, when I signed that contract, flew out there, I had to find a place to live. Okay. And for some reason, I gravitated more towards the Dominican players. Really? Because I really liked the Spanish language and I really wanted to kind of learn it. And I kind of got stuck uh, rooming with some Dominicans in their apartment complex, as opposed to like with some of the American kids, you know? Yeah. And they thought that was kind of strange. Now, I didn't now, really. How well did they speak English? Not very well at all. So it was really <laughs> tough. Yeah. It was just, it was just me being stupid. You know, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to be positive. I was probably 
more shy of the American buddies because, you know, like I never felt like I was that tough and, you know, like. You're, you're not a typical like baseball bro. Right, right. Not at all. Yeah. So you're I like hanging idiot. out with the, I liked hanging out with the Dominicans and trying to learn Spanish, but I only lasted a few days doing that. And finally one of the coaches came by and took me and he's like, he's like, you know, I think you want to go stay with these guys. And, and it wasn't like any hard feelings, you know, but it was just, it was just kind of like lonely, you know, like for a while I'm like, oh my God, they're watching the soap opera again. And I don't know Spanish. Oh my you know? gosh. Yeah. I can, that is hilarious that you are in the United States. Yeah. Rooming with probably three or four, you know, Hispanic guys that don't speak hardly any English. You're sitting there watching whatever it's like daytime Spanish yep. television. Yeah. Telemundo or something. Telemundo, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I hang out with them for a couple of days. Then I finally move into my, my uh, American oh, buddies. There you go. But, but you know what's nice, though, is I'm still friends with some of those Dominicans on Facebook. That's cool. Um, I always had a girlfriend or I was always in love um, during my baseball years. Like during my time, I always had a girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd be on the phone or whatever. I love you. I love you or whatever, you know, and, and my Dominican friends, they'd be like, my Dominican friends would call me Romantico. <laughs> so, so to this day, my nickname is Romantico because they'd be like, you're talking to your girlfriend out or that, you know, lovey, lovey or whatever. Yeah. It was really funny. Romantico. Yep, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I made good friends with those guys because, because, you know, you spend a lot of time with them playing ball, like out in the outfield doing batting practice. Absolutely. You know, that was a lot of time spending with dudes uh, every single day. So you get to know them. So that was a great time. And then, of course, my American friends that I ended up staying with that season was great. Just a great time. Just, you know, like playing video games drinking some beer and then playing baseball all the time. Um, how, how, how was it playing on the field? Like actually pitching? What was that? What was that experience for you? Okay. So my first outing ever was at Ho-Ho Cam Park in Mesa, Arizona, uh, where the Cubs used to play Okay, their uh, spring training games. So that was my uh, professional debut. I came in relief and it was the bases loaded two outs and my first batter I ever faced hit the double down the left field line for a bases loaded double. That's rude. Yeah. That totally sucked. (laughs) So then I, but I got out of the inning and then the next inning I got him one, two, three. And I thought, yeah, this is awesome. But there was one problem. My, my, uh, my good friend, Jamie Porter, uh, one of our outfielders from uh, University of Washington, he goes, good job, Crawford, except those ground ball outs were absolute missiles. <laughs> so it was so funny. The, the, the first completed inning that I ever pitched in pro ball, there, I gave up the hardest hit ground balls you had ever seen. And one of them, and they were all for outs. Yeah. And one of them knocked over my shortstop. It was hit so hard. And he still was able to make the play. So I'm That's like, great. oh, my God, what am I doing here kind of thing, you know? But, oh yep. 
but then the next game in game number two, I actually got the victory, which was great. Um, I came in relief and got the victory. And then in my third or fourth game, I was really trying to establish myself, but fell fell behind 2-0 to uh, a hitter with the Mariners. We were playing the Mariners this night. Okay. Yeah, this was the night games now. So this is like my third or fourth professional game ever, and I'm just a reliever. I fall behind 2-0, and I serve one up, and this kid just absolutely destroyed it. And it never it's never landed. It's still out there in orbit? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine because the after that happened, I thought, you know what? I really need to establish myself and stand up for myself and send a message. There we go. Okay, so now that not a good idea, but I thought it was at the moment. And did you buzz someone after this, or what? what were you Next doing? pitch was right at the guy's head, <laughs> which was really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Make make him he, dance uh, a little bit. Happy feet. Yep. Yeah, he uh, freaked out and just basically, you know, looked at me like, "What the hell just happened?" And the umpire immediately eject- ejected me. No warning. No warning. Just you're gone. Yeah. It was that obvious. <laughs> yep. So I'm like, what? What do you mean? I was like acting like I didn't mean to do it, but I really right. did. Sure. So my first ever pro ball, pro homer I gave up, I had to retaliate and try and be an idiot and throw at somebody. <laughs> I ended up getting suspended three games and fined $75 for that. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was pretty heartbroken over that. Yeah. So th- that was really dumb, but. What was funny about the whole thing was how much respect I earned from all my teammates. Really? Okay. I was a nobody that came over from Illinois. Yeah. Uh, You know, a nobody lefty. But But when I did that. But now you're a nobody that has some balls. Yeah, nobody. And and everyone just really had this newfound respect for me because I was like, because I don't know, I was just crazy like that when it came to baseball. Are they calling you Spitty Spat or Spitty here or what we got? No, no, okay. that was just thunder. Okay. <laughs> it didn't so, follow you. Okay. No. So, uh, so I struggled the rest of the season. You know, I didn't have good numbers at all. I I was kind of wild. I did strike out guys, but man, I I uh, learned so much, and I was so pumped about my future. So you felt like you belonged, even if there were some ups and downs? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the hard part, and this goes for any sport, and especially baseball, but it's just so mental. Oh, absolutely. You know, I could have a good game and think that I should be called up to AAA the next day, or I could have <laughs> a bad game and think I'm going to get released. Yeah. And that just happened way too much in my career to the oh, point absolutely. where – Yeah. Yeah, it, to, to the point where it really – it really impacts you, unfortunately, negatively. It, you know, it, it, it's so easy to have a couple bad games and be like, "I'm going to get released." Crap! Like, and then you kind of dwell on it, and you're like, "Oh no, there's another bad game. There's another, you know." Yep. Yeah, yep, but I did learn how to manage it. Um, I wanted to be a starter. I was asked if I wanted to be a starter, and I said yes. 
and it never happened. Yeah. But I, I just wonder if it's because I just didn't throw hard enough to even, you know, I was basically just an afterthought reliever for my whole career. Yeah. Just because I didn't throw hard. And that was yeah. one thing I always had to battle was that my velocity was always a disadvantage. Yeah. Except that I was able to make it my advantage once in a while. You know? How, how so? Well, because I had all that movement on my fastball and right. my curveball and my slider, and then I could also – I added a changeup even to the mix. Oh, cool. Yeah, so what, – what, what was the grip on that change? Well, I would throw basically a half circle, so I wouldn't really, like, close my circle grip. Yeah, kind of open. All the way. I would kind of just hold it in the back of my hand. Yeah. Yeah, and I would just have just enough arm speed to, to get guys, you know, breaking bats. Cool. Yeah, so so I didn't do very well my first season, but I was so looking forward to the next season going yeah. into 98. And my, my next year, uh, you I didn't even go to big league training camp. I got invited well, hold, hold, to – Let's hold on for a second. How did that offseason go? Like, where did you – you know, did, did you work anywhere? Like, how did you work yeah. out? How did you prepare? Like, what did you feel like yeah, you so, to do to get ready? So I basically joined um, a, a, a gym. I think it was on Mathers Gun Club Road. Really? Yeah, it was called Planet Fitness or Planet Gym. Back, you, came back, you came back home, right? Yeah, I came back home. I, I got a trainer with my bonus money. And I, I worked out like three days a week, just basically doing basic, uh, you know, compound muscle movement, lift, lifting Yeah. 30 minutes on the bike. You know, I, I'd, I'd train every other day or every day, depending on what was going on during the off season. Um, I'd have a part-time job. Um, what'd you do? Sometimes I would work for like a temp agency, you know, filing for a business, you know, it's just something easy. Um, I think one time I delivered phone books. I don't know. Yeah. I, just <laughs> this and that, you know, demolition yeah, sure. or something. Just trying to get by. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I just really, I didn't want to do anything but play baseball. I didn't want to do anything but work out. I wanted to be Jason worth, but I didn't have the bank account, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get that first yeah. round bonus, baby. Yeah. 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 But but I, I got by, you know, and, and I just could, I counted down the days to the next, yeah. you know, spring training. But what, but another cool thing that was going on during my professional baseball days was Mark McGuire and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Um, right, right so, the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. When I was home from, from this, you know, for the off season, Cardinals were still playing and McGuire was breaking the record for the home runs. And, uh, I actually was able to go see his 62nd home run, uh, in person. Oh man. Was that stadium just rocking? What was that like? That that was beyond epic. I can't even imagine what that felt like. Electricity. Yeah. Um, but I had been watching McGuire. I went to like, I probably saw 15 home runs that year. Uh, I went to all these games he yeah. hit three home runs in a game. I saw the 62nd. I, I was at the 70th home run. Yeah. So every single home run was bigger than the next, and it was like standing room only, 
standing ovation, you know, stadium erupting. It was just amazing. And then here I'm playing pro ball with the A's watching these games and McGuire just came over from the A's and, and uh, Dave Duncan, the uh, Cardinals pitching coach at the time, I would come bother him during the Cardinal game, like before the game started and like Matt Morris would be throwing a bullpen in the, in the Cardinals bullpen. And I'd yell, I'd yell down to Dave Duncan, Hey, I'm with the Oakland A's. My, my coach is Kurt Young. Uh, my pitching coach with the A's was Kurt Young. And he'd yeah. be like, oh, hey, tell, tell Kurt I said hi and all this stuff. And I talked to him for a minute. You know, stuff that That's I would cool. I so could he do. He didn't blow you off or anything. That's awesome. Right. I would do stuff that, like, I was trying to take advantage of my pro status and try yeah. and talk to, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, so, but I'd see McGuire hit all these home runs. And then I would go off and play my season. And uh, just had another tremendous, tremendous year, even though I was just a regular old reliever in rookie ball yeah. uh, for the 98 Phoenix A's. Well, let's not skip past your first spring training. I would love to hear about that experience for you and what what that was like, because that can be kind of a crazy thing. You know, you get a lot, there's hundreds of players. You kind of become a little bit of a number. And especially if you're a guy like you that isn't like real – has big stuff were you feeling lost in the shuffle or yeah just tell me how that how that spring training played out for you if you could please yeah um well so that spring training starts on may 1st so it's the it's called extended spring training it's the spring training that starts after the major league spring training the major league spring training and the the minor league spring training they all start in the middle of march you did not go to the regular spring training no, not not in '98. Not my first year after getting drafted. Why is that? Because I was only 19, and I was still really young. And they said, "Don't," because because their plan was I was only going to play for a short season team. Because of my need more rest, more rest, and yeah, my age, and they didn't want right. okay. to. They didn't want to use a resource like me on a long season roster spot. Oh, okay. Because their long season was advanced A ball with California. Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay. But yeah. So like so you California. Started and extended. So I started and extended. This which, is my first yeah. spring training. So it's basically an extension to spring training, but the beginning of like rookie ball again. So it's like yeah. it's like spring training for the rookie ball kids and the low, the 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 short season A ball kids. And this is in Arizona as well. This is in Arizona, and it also kind of revolves around the June draft. Yeah. Because when you break camp from this, extended, those guys too extended, yeah. Right. So, so I, uh, so I go through my first extended spring training, and I, I do pretty good. I'm doing. I'm already doing better than I did my previous year. I'm already improving. But here's the thing: I could never throw harder. If anything, I was thrown slower. Really? So before I was throwing 86, 87, and, and, and after all the work I'd be putting into everything, I'm throwing 81, 82, 83. Yeah. Why, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts were I did not know how to throw harder mechanically. And the things that I was learning from my coaches in pro ball were not helping me throw harder, but helping me more with control and my mechanics. So 
So even though I had good control and good mechanics, yeah, no one was ever trying to get me to throw harder. They were just trying to use what I had and and yeah. and polish even more my good mechanics right. and my control. But you can't really afford to lose velo if you're already mid eighties, right? And that upset me because I wanted more attention. I wanted more coaching. Yeah. But but the problem is, you know, at at the same time you're kind of just on your own. See, and that's the thing about not knowing what you're doing when you decide to go pro out of high school Yeah, is you just don't know stuff. And, and the bottom line is, yeah, you are a number. If you don't throw hard, you're just going to be, you know, the last pitcher filler. Now, yeah. But, but that doesn't mean if you do good, you that can, doesn't you mean change that. Yeah. you can do something. Yeah. So, so I, I was always battling you can change that, that suspect to a prospect for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I was always struggling with that, you know, with all the velocity talk. You know, I'd, I'd ask people all the time, how do you throw harder? How do you throw harder? And all that stuff. No one knew. And so I, my, my philosophy was just try harder, try harder, work harder, you know, and just keep grinding it out like I always did. And so I had a good extended spring training, and then the next thing you know, they everyone starts to break off into their season. So rookie ball started in June, and then the short season A team started. And the short season A was in Medford, Oregon. Okay. And that was in the Northwest League. Right. Uh, that, that would be Portland, Oregon, Spokane, Washington, Boise, Idaho, Yakima, Washington, Eugene, Oregon, Salem, Oregon. And we were in Medford, Oregon. Yeah. Well, after I had a few awesome outings and extended spring training, um, I showed up at spring training one day and I uh, was getting congratulated for getting promoted to the, to the A, to the short season A team. Oh, cool. Because they, they had no relievers and they needed someone that night. So I ended up, getting promoted and flying a plane to Seattle. That's cool. All of a sudden and uh, getting a chance to, to pitch. And I, I did get to throw a few innings, but the problem is the moment I got to pitch, all of the new draft picks arrived. <laughs> all the studs. Yeah. And they filled out all the rosters and I ended up pitching two innings in one whole week. Yeah, and they didn't want me sitting around anymore, so they sent me back down to Phoenix, Arizona. So I finished out my season with the rookie ball A's. So I'm 19 years old. I signed a pro contract, and I only have two rookie ball seasons to show for it. Yeah. So it was kind of disappointing, but sure. I'm only 19. You but know, you, and I, you threw well in rookie ball. I'm looking at the stats right here. Yeah, so when I was sent back down to rookie ball, I was a whole new person, though. I was so confident, and I just dominated all year until the very last outing of that year. Yeah. I, I got rocked. So every stat that you see in my 98 line, only one bad outing, and that was at the end of the year. My ERA was under three. It was two-something. But everything just ballooned after that last outing. I couldn't get an out, yeah. and I gave up a grand slam and all this stuff. 
Yeah, like one one bad outing as a reliever can really jack your stat line up terribly. It can make yeah. it look way different of a season than you actually had totally. And that's why I hated being a reliever and I wanted to right. be a starter, but yeah. you just deal with it. Yeah. But at the end of the year, I actually was awarded. And this is kind of an unofficial thing, and that's what's kind of funny about my achievements in pro baseball is that <laughs> we're at home plate. All the pitchers are hanging out with Coach Young, Kurt Young. And he said, or the whole team is, and he goes, I got some announcements for you guys. We have some award winners for this year's team we want to announce. And I was picked the best, the most improved. I was the the most improved pitcher of the year in 1998 for the Phoenix A's. Hell yeah. So after that rough year in 97 my first year i came back and really dominated at times yeah for for being a nobody and getting the most improved award or whatever was badass did that velocity climb back up into the mid 80s or did it kind of stay in that low it's always stayed there never could get it higher really okay yep yep so i had a great year in 98 i was really proud I wish I could have pitched more. I was actually begging my my pitching coach, Kurt Young, to see if he can help me uh, uh, get some innings in the winter leagues down in the, the Caribbean or something. I was just begging for more innings because yeah. I, I only threw 30 innings. Right, yeah. That year. So I needed more. I was, I wanted more, but he, you know, he didn't. He couldn't do anything for me. That it was all on an inviting. You know, you had to be invited or whatever. I wanted to be an instructional ball, which you know they keep certain players after the season and they invite them to spring training in the fall. Yeah, I never got anything like that. Uh, but going into uh, the 1999 season, I actually was able to move to Phoenix. Really? In the winter. And that was amazing uh, because that winter, um, so like January, February, I would, the, the, the spring training complex was open for us. So we could just show oh, up. Awesome. Yeah. So I was able to find a place to live down there uh, with some roommates, like from Chatham. Yeah. And, uh, so I drove to the field every day, like five days a week. That's awesome. And this was my real fantasy though. So when the, the first day I show up, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in there and, you know, lift some weights and, you know, maybe play catch. I don't even know who's there. And, right. Pause. Yeah. I, I know this is about to be an awesome story. Yeah. Let's, we're at our two hour mark. Let, let's, let's take a five minute break and yeah. come right back. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hang up and, We'll yeah. be right back. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, buddy. All right, bye. Cool. Spitty, we're back. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. All right. Story time. So I, uh, so we went, so I moved to Phoenix in 99 and the facility, which was amazing, um, was open to anyone, you know, that, that needed it to uh, work out and take some batting practice and, you know, maybe work on whatever. Coaches were hanging out there all the time. Trainers, 
um, anything you needed. It, it wasn't, um, you know, season stuff, but people were there hanging out, working, doing whatever. Sure. So I uh, made a, a, a point to, to do that on, in this particular off season because I just had to be in Phoenix preparing for my next season. Um, that's what I was all about. Yeah. And I walk in and, um, I look, I see in the weight room is, uh, Ricky Henderson. Oh man. And so (laughs) after uh, a few weeks of hanging out, you know, working out, um, I'm, I'm believe it or not, like lifting weights with Ricky Henderson, the one and only like talking to him. We're like, you know, he's doing one exercise and I'm doing the, I'm doing it after he does, you know, that kind of thing. And then I would, I would just go up to him and talk to him and just ask him random questions. Really? And yeah. And I'm sure he doesn't remember me. Um, what but, was your uh, experience talking to him, interacting with him? I well, well, I remember I actually was out, I, I was out on one of the fields one time <clears throat> playing catch with them. So like the, yeah, wow. I was just, like while I was playing catch with him, I'm like in my head, I'm going, holy shit, I'm playing catch with the Ricky Henderson. The greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Yeah. yeah and this is 1999. So he was actually a New York Met at this time. He had really? just been in Oakland A. Okay. Um, but they didn't care. You know, he could go wherever he wants and yeah. he would just hang out there because I'm sure he spent many years there. Gosh, yeah. So he would just hang out and work out. His brother was was there with them all the time hanging out um working out with them and i would just ask them questions i'd be like yeah. hey uh um you don't care if i ask you questions like this do you and he's like no man reggie jackson used to bother me all the time or here you go no no he'd go i used to bother reggie jackson all the time <laughs> yeah oh my so, gosh and if, so, for those of you that don't know, Ricky Henderson is known for just having this off the wall personality, and like Ricky does, whatever, you know, there's all kinds of awesome stories. I recently read his biography; it's really awesome, and just yeah. one, one of the most unique characters and best, you know, the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, greatest base stealer of all time, yeah. just crazy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, it's not like we were hanging out, best friends, you know, but we did. You know, I did like he did let me hang out with them and follow him around a little bit, you know, wow. in the clubhouse and in the weight room. And he showed me like a, a little exercise here and there to do for speed. Yeah. And uh, and we played catch. And 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 I also got to meet Mark Mulder. Yeah, um, he was there. Good. Yeah, he was there. Um, Tim Worrell, uh, Todd Worrell's brother. Yep. He was kind of like uh, a veteran reliever. In, in the majors at the time he was hanging, he lived in, in Phoenix. So he'd go there and, you know, do some workouts and I would run with them and talk baseball with them and tell him how much I used to love his watching his brother pitch, you know, with the yeah. Cardinals and sure. yeah, just soaked up every little conversation I could. A, uh, AJ Hinch yep. was there um, working out all the time. Um, he was a big time prospect with the A's um, now a great manager in baseball um and uh oh tony phillips uh rest in peace he uh he was there um i know i know tony myself actually i got to spend some time oh wow independent ball he's he's a wild man yeah yeah and you know what but i didn't get to see any wildness but we just hung out at the baseball park 
Okay. And he was just a goof, you know, and and just easy to talk to, you know. Sure. So there was a handful of guys that I hung out with that, you know, obviously wouldn't remember me, but right. it was it was everything and then some to me. It was like yeah. my own fantasy world that I got right. to pitch in and yeah, it was just the the best possible experience you could ever have and and every once in a while I could throw like a bullpen or I could, you know, just like shag some flies or do some running with some guys. Yeah. Get to know some players, do some, you know, had had the training table at my fingertips, had my weight training stuff and That's that's a very cool atmosphere you're 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 describing here. Yeah, yeah. So so then uh, you know, spring training show uh, arrives and this is my first actual big league spring training where there I was in the long season. Yeah. Regular uh, spring training. Yeah. Regular spring training. And, and the spring training this time around, this is my third year and I'm like really looking to, to play in a, a long season, um, you know, April to September season with a high a California league team mm-hmm. or move on to something better. And my spring training started off slow because I was not uh, penciled in to pitch any of the games yet. So we had already played a couple games against the Cubs or whoever we were playing against on the spring training schedule for the A the A team clubs. Yeah, and I never uh, I never got in there, and I knew it was because you know my status you know, on the roster, my, on the depth chart, I was, you know, the last pitcher, you know, but, but that's fine. You know, I knew I was going to get my chance. It's not like they're never going to pitch me. Right. And, uh, so finally one day we had a, a, a day where there was no games scheduled. And I thought, well, that sucks. Cause I really want, I got to get into a game. I can't wait. I, you know, I'm dying to pitch and, so we come in the spring training that, that one day, it's like a Sunday afternoon. I think every Sunday we had off Yeah. and I hadn't pitched in a game yet. So I, uh, I go over and look at the lineups to see if there was some sort of game being played. And it was actually like an exhibition, like, uh, you know, simulated game between double A AA and triple A yeah. for the A's. So it was like a practice game. It wasn't a scheduled minor league game you know, between the A's and whoever. And I saw I was penciled in to pitch in this game. And I thought, okay, well, at least I'm getting into a game. So I'm going to be actually pitching against triple A today. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be on double A versus triple A. So I was like, wow, this is cool. Like I didn't get to pitch against anyone in the A on the, in the A uh, minor league games. That totally sucked, but all of a sudden now I'm getting penciled into this meaningless double A versus triple A game. So I'm like, wow, this is kind of badass. Sure. I'm going to be facing some future major league guys or whatever. So, so we, uh, we, you know, do our practice. We, we get to our game eventually. And I look over in the dugout and I see Jason Giambi (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, holy shit, Giambi's here, you know, and, you know, and there's some other guys too, but that he was like the stud of, 
all the oh, A's man. at that time. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he had a run, yeah. man. The Giambino for sure. Yeah. So um, everyone noticed, and you know, all the all my buddies, you know, were talking and holy shit, you know, or whatever. And I didn't really think much of it. And next thing you know, after the starter comes in and pitches his innings, I'm, you know, warming up to get in my part of the game. Yeah. And I, uh, I get out of the bullpen after I warm up and I walk by, I walk through the AAA dugout and there's Giambi. And I'm like, holy shit, I wonder if I'm going to be facing him. Man, yeah. So I walk past him and I go into the double A dugout with my team. And so it's my turn to pitch and I start the inning and lo and behold, it's Jason freaking Giambi. Wow. That's cool. Let's go. I let's go. So I'm like, Oh my God, this is awesome. What's going to happen. So, (laughs) so all of a sudden um, I'm like, you know, I really need to make my mark here. First, first batter of the whole season. You got to announce your presence with authority, man. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of, you know, freaking out and cowering in the, in the, uh, in this situation, I decided I'm going to turn it up a notch and I'm going to see if I can drop down with some sliders at Giambi to see if I can get him fishing or get him looking at something funky because he didn't know he didn't know me at all. Right. And I wanted to see if he can hit my best crap, you know? So, I love so it. I'm like, holy shit, this is the best moment of my life at this point. Let's go. <laughs> so I rear back and I I instead of just throwing a regular slider, I kind of dropped down so that I could really like make him think I was throwing at him to kind of just throw him off because I didn't even warm up that way. And I knew Giambi had a good eye. Yeah. I dropped down and I surprised him with the slider right over the middle of the plate. It basically went right at him and he kind of just backed up and let it go over for a strike down the middle. Yeah. And I was thinking, holy shit, this is the best right now. (laughs) So then the next pitch, the next pitch, I'm like, okay, I'm not throwing a fastball here because he'll light it up. I'm not going to throw another slider. So let me see if I can throw a little change up at him. Okay. To see if I can mess him up because the last thing he's ever looking for from a lefty lefty change. Yeah. Is is a change up. So I threw this. It was actually probably a terrible change up. It basically just floated in there right down the middle for a strike. (laughs) Yeah. So what I think what happened was it, I think it just shocked him. What is that? It was like a batting practice times 10 fastball. <laughs> and I think it was so brilliant, so right down the middle, so meaty that he couldn't he pull the do. trigger. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So it's oh two. This is a great story. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, now I got to waste the fastball and see if I can just get him to look at it to see if I can get him to set up for the next pitch. So me and the catcher were right on cue and he's like fastball away. So I threw a weak ass fastball low and away for a ball an easy take, but not like, you know, over his head or nothing. Next pitch. I'm like, here it goes. I am going to drop down. I'm going to throw it right down the middle and it's going to break away from the plate. 
So it's going to look like that first pitch I threw to him, but this time it's going to start over the middle. Yeah. And I fired that thing as hard as I could right down the middle, and Big Whiffer struck his ass out. Got him. Got him. I struck out Giambi in four pitches. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So everyone in spring training watching this game was like, holy shit, because I, it's me. It's not – I'm the last pitcher on the depth chart. And I made Jeremy – or I made Jason Giambi grab some bench. Grab it, buddy. Man, I mean, and, and I was so pumped after this moment that I went down to one knee and I acted like I was tying my shoe. And I was like – I was looking down at the ground going, holy shit. <laughs> Because I wanted to make Dude. it look like it wasn't a big deal, so I was just Damn. like, "Oh, let me fix my shoe. Here, hold my hold my beard, Jambi. Hold on a second. You know, like, man, yeah. That, how many, dude? How many times you told that story? That was amazing. That, that was, was one of my favorite. That ones. was probably my claim to fame. And and the Damn. funny, you know, and another funny part is it just it didn't count. You had me the whole time. No one knows. Only a few people in this world know that I did this. Mm-hmm. There's one teammate or, or, you know, there's a half a dozen teammates that can attest to this. To this day, maybe, I don't know if they'd remember, but um, I remember calling my folks. I called Pat Moomy, you know, that day. And I'm like, I had to tell him the, the whole story. Um, and then I even faced Giambi the next inning. So every inning that I pitched. He was up. He, he let off. Yeah. Because he was basically getting ready for every, he was getting ready for his major league game later on that day. Yeah, stars so, do that. So he was like there for um, some extra batting practice. And the next time up, I threw a fastball right down the middle, and it kind of tailed up and into him. Yeah. And he checked his swing and grounded out weakly back to me. Really? Yeah. One pitch. Man. That's so, awesome. Yep. So I uh, chopped him. And then the next day, it was like uh, a, the, the next day was like a huge uh, like player and coaches meeting for the whole organization. Wow. All the minor leaguers getting together in the clubhouse. And and uh, Billy Bean was there to introduce himself and get to know all the players. Yeah. And my minor league. Uh, player development guy Keith Littman. He was there. He's he's been there for a long time. I don't know if he's still there, but um, he was like our minor league development guy, and he uh, he was announcing in front of the whole organization about you know getting playing time and not getting playing time during the spring training and trying to find more at bats for you guys and all this stuff. And he goes. But make the most of your opportunity, guys. I mean, look at Jay Crawford. He no carved. Shit. He goes, look at what Crawford did to Giambi yesterday. He carved him up. And that was in really? front of the whole minor league organization. Oh, and I That's was like cool. sitting there going, fuck yeah, or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. And what uh, a moment for you, man. Yeah. Yep. And That's then, um, yeah. so I had a couple other moments that spring training where, I just was just, I, I just, I just was 
I don't think I've ever really been better than what I was in that spring training 1999. Even really? though, even though I didn't throw hard and I wasn't throwing harder, yeah. but my mental makeup, my physical, everything was perf was together. My my control. Yeah. Um, I remember. I pitched in another triple a game where I was successful and got, you know, one, two, three inning mm -hmm. against some Anaheim angel players that who knows who they were. Um, and then at the end of that spring training, I got the, the Keith Lippman and the, the roving pitching instructor with the A's cornered me one day. And they're like, look, we're not going to send you to a long season team even though you should be going we gotta get this guy and that guy up ahead of you because frankly they just throw a lot harder sure and even though they're younger like they were trying to explain themselves why i was getting the shaft and and staying in long a and having or short a and uh going into extended spring training again so that sucked, and I wasn't happy about it, but whatever. Nothing I could do. Um, but I stayed for extended spring training. And, you know, this time, I mean, we're, we're, we're facing, you know, rookie ball, college players. I mean, all kinds of players, you know. And I just dominated that extended spring training. Yeah. To the point where I was awarded the extended spring training pitcher of the year. So they, I know, I know it's like, it's like a funny award, right? I know. Well, they had, they had pitcher and they had player Yeah. and they wanted to just recognize. So again, it's like all this stuff that doesn't count. Yeah. But counted at that moment with the team. Sure. You know, who would ever remember something like that? Well, I guess only me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So I put it on my resume and I'm really proud of it because if you did get to see my numbers in extended spring training, which I don't even know if they even exist, they could be in a shredder, you know, they, they could be long gone or they could be sitting in some stat book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, Dicey I, uh, yeah, I almost faced Brian McClure that, that year. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. He was with the Padres and he was on a spring training team and we were playing against each other, but, he never went up to bat against me. Yeah, never got to line him up. Yeah. I did get to face Nate Cohen one time. Oh, that's um, cool. He was with the Cubs. I was yeah. – yeah, I got to face him. Um, So that 1999 year, that was my first actual year where I got to travel and, you know, pitch in front of crowds. Yeah, more, more like a, 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 what would you think of as a typical minor league experience as a pro baseball player? Well, one time we had the chicken um, at one of our games, and cool. yep. the chicken was so much fun to watch, and we had the best time watching him. And he would, like, actually get there early before the game started, you know, like while we were working out. And he would, like, get dressed up and, like, practice and, yep. you know, work on his acts and then, like, get some players involved in, the, uh, in some of his acts, like in between innings. Or have like another friend of his or a, a coworker of the chicken um, put on a, like a one of our uniforms, yeah, and you know 
throw grounders and play catch with the chicken, you know, and that, that was really fun. Cause he was a big deal back then. Absolutely. Um, where'd you, where, where'd you live uh, this year? Uh, yeah, host family. Team yeah. Member, host family. Yeah. I was with the host family, uh, Medford, Oregon. So that's like Southern Oregon. We were the southernmost team in the Northwest league. Yeah. And, uh, we traveled all over the Northwest. So I got to see the Redwoods. I got to see oh, Crater awesome. Lake. So you yeah. guys got, got a pretty cool landscape to, to your bus rides. And those can be pretty long and, and boring at times. Yeah. And the problem too, with those bus rides is every one of them was throughout the night. Oh, so you never really could see. see anything. Yeah. It was, that was a yeah. rough bus ride. Yeah. Um, but, but the friendships, the relationships you made were the best ever. I mean, yeah. I remember, we had a, a really funny guy on our team, Brad Henderson. Um, he went to Ole Miss, and I actually think he's a, an announcer for Ole Miss now, uh, cool. baseball. And he's just a funny, funny uh, Southern dude. And uh, he would be, like, doing interviews with the coach on the mic uh, on the cool. bus. And, yeah, just cracking everybody up. Uh, just – you know, it was just, it was my first and only minor league season. Yeah. And I just cherish every single moment I oh, had because I that, that was it. Yeah. yeah, I love that so much. And you know what? Yeah. Like, this was back in the day before people were just lost in their phones. So you actually had to interact with your teammates yep. on bus rides. I, You know, people always kind of hate on the bus rides of minor league life. I loved it. I thought it was so fun. It was like, yep. you're like locked in this bus with your boys and you're telling stories and laughing about stuff and. Yeah, it can be the best. Yeah, it can be absolutely brutal, but you have the time of your life, you know, with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the best ever. And the relationships you build. Yeah. um, Yeah, we traveled many miles. um, A lot of awesome stadiums we played at. I remember um, some of the stadiums were old and unique, like a league of their own kind of stadium. Oh, yeah. Cool like in Eugene, Oregon. And then you had some really cool minor league fields, like the Bison's fields, uh, like in Spokane, Washington and Boise, Idaho. Those were really cool stadiums in their own right. Yeah. Um, it was just, yeah, it was the best time ever as hard as it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you had a pretty successful year, 3.96 and 38 innings pitched. Yep. I had, you know, I had a, a, a I had a good start to the year. But then after the start of the year, all the draft picks started showing up after they signed. Yeah. So I, I got bumped again and didn't really get to pitch much. And then I actually was at a point where I thought I was going to quit. Really? Yeah, I was. Um, that frustrated. I was that I was so frustrated because I pitched like two innings and then I didn't pitch for a whole week. And I knew. I wasn't going anywhere. I just felt like this was a dead end with my career, and it was really hard. I remember talking to my dad about it. But then, you know, the moment when you think it's all over, I'm in the game. I'm in the next game, you know, trying to win a game, and and I I end up helping out the team win and, you know, get a little interview after the game. You know, it kind of brought me back. Baseball's funny like that, isn't it? Yep. And then – so then we grind out through the year, and I remember striking out Ken Harvey. He was a prospect with the Royals that came up through their system and ended up making the major leagues, and I struck him out. I remember 
facing Matt Holiday. I, I remember facing Mark Ellis. Those are some names, yeah. Yep. Um, and just had the best time ever. Uh, Portland, Oregon was an awesome place to play. That was the old Civic Center. It was a big AstroTurf uh, field. Very unique. Um, yeah. Just the best experience ever, you know, for was, someone like me, you know. Was that the field that was in that documentary, The Battered Bastards of Baseball? I have not seen that. You haven't? Okay. It was about the Portland Mavericks, I believe. I wonder if that's Maybe. The I mean, you know, it very unique. There's an old baseball blooper where the guy catches the ball and runs to the fence. It was at Portland. It was at that stadium, okay. and it was uh, Brian McRae. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so – Yep. So, uh, so I had that season. Um, that was the first time I ever earned a baseball card. Oh, cool, so, man. Yep. Yeah. Held on to that forever. You have to. Yep. Yeah. I got, yep. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, I struck out Giambi extended spring training pitcher of the year. I had a good season in Medford, but I never got called up at the end of the season to, uh, to go on to the playoffs, like with the high A clubs and stuff, you know, now one cool thing though, that I I really enjoyed that I got to do during the end of the 99 season was we had a double header and this was like one of the last games of the year. So everyone's excited that the season's going to be over, but we're also fighting for our playoff lives. Yeah. We had a two seven inning game double header. These were our last home games. I come in relief and pitch the first game. I pitch real well. And I am shut down for the rest of the evening. So I get to just not have to even dress for the second game because I already pitched my pitches, you know? Yeah. Well, they were the, – the, the announcers on the radio station for uh, our baseball team actually asked me if I wanted to come on the radio and do some play-by-play with them. Yeah. So I was, so during the second game, I got to be on the radio and do the play-by-play or I mean uh, the color with our main guy doing play-by-play. That's pretty cool. Had the time of my life. Yeah. And the, the really cool thing was when, this is when everyone started getting computers and the internet. My folks would listen to my games online yeah. every night throughout that season. And it was kind of like on a delay and there would actually be like a pause throughout the, the uh, broadcast. So you would get a delay. Then you would get like silence for like a minute. Then you would hear it for like five minutes and then over and over. And it was, you know, dial up connection. Yeah. So I was, uh, I got to announce the game and my, so my folks got to hear me do the uh, color. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. I I really enjoyed that. Um, And enjoyed a great year. We, We came up short the last game of the year. But my performance, my physical conditioning, my baseball IQ was at its top, top ever. Yeah. Um, I wasn't throwing hard. I was still throwing 81, 82 probably. I just could not 
get over that. I don't know what I was doing wrong. I mean, I'm sure there was plenty of things I was doing wrong. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, I could just, I mean, my, my location, my uh, control, my curveball, it was just an absolute, my, it was at the very peak of yep. my entire career. Yeah. I was really enjoying a good, solid uh, career at this point, I think. Sure. So then, so the, the, this year ends and then is there anything unique about the off season or do you, do you want to take us? Yeah, no, I just, I just, uh, well, I got a job that off season at the Springfield racket and fitness center actually. Okay. So I got, yeah. I did some front desk work okay. and then got to know those folks there and, uh, and got to work out for free sure. as an employee. Yeah. So basically I just stayed home all off season and worked my worked out ran. Um, I, I joined uh, at St. John's hospital. I joined uh, a running program. It was called athletic care. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember her name, but she was an awesome trainer, but she helped me. Uh, was it Tracy scales? Yes, it was. There you go. Yeah. Oh my God. Tracy scales. Acceleration. Was awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. I love that lady. She was great. Yeah, so she helped me get faster. But I came, but one of the last sessions I had before I was off to spring training, I pulled my hamstring mm -hmm. and I could never get it healthy again until spring training started when I, when I went out there. So I kind of got off to a late start in spring training. And... Let's see. Let's see. I yeah, I just I basically got off to a late start, got some treatment, got my my leg worked on, and I finally got into a game. And it was against the Cubs and it was against Hesop Troy. Okay. Remember him? Of course. Yep. So unfortunately. When I came home after the season in 1999, I was playing catch with my brother. It was like October, November. We were playing catch out at the Chatham Park, you know, where my brother used to work. Mm -hmm. And we were playing catch, and I'm like, I really need to get stronger. I really need to, you know, throw harder and do some long toss. And so I was working on long toss. Something just wasn't right, and I just felt something hurt so bad in my shoulder. So the rest of the whole off season, I was battling some shoulder pain every time I threw. Yeah. So I never was quite right. I wonder if at that point I had torn a rotator cuff. Absolutely. You sure. know, so I didn't, I didn't want to face the music about it. I was worried. I, I was hoping it would just go away and I could just like fight through it. And anyway, so I got into a game and I just, I bet I didn't even throw 80 that day. And, and, and the funny thing is, I threw three innings against the high A Daytona Beach Chicago Cubs with Hesop Choi as one of the players. Yeah. And who knows who else was on that team? I was not even thrown 80 miles per hour. And I threw three innings, gave up a few hits, struck out four batters. I think I, think I gave up a triple to Choi. Yeah. It was a ground, it was a hard ground ball down the right field line. Like it went past the first baseman and he got the third on it. Right. But I never allowed a run. Got by on some guts there. 
Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm like dropping down. I'm like being more crafty than crafty. ever because I knew I just wasn't throwing hard at all. Yeah. I just, but I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm just going for it. <laughs> and uh, the next day or two later, I get that call you never want to hear. And that's when our trainer came up to me and he said, Hey, Keith Littman wants to see you. Yep. And here I'm getting ready to, you know, get ready for my next practice and my next session. And I go into his office and next thing you know, he's telling me and trying not to cry. And he's like, look, we have to let you go. Ugh. He goes, yeah, and and, and this was tough. He goes, you're not going to make the major leagues. He goes, give it up. Move on with your life. And I'm like, and and I'm like, should I try and, and try out for another team? Like I was thinking like, do I need to call? And he's like, he's just shaking his head. And he's like, I wouldn't even try. Like, he was just basically saying, don't even bother. Oh, I don't know. That's a weird thing to say Some, I mean, can't you just play baseball because you love it and keep playing minor league ball for a couple of years if you wanted to? I don't know. It, it's, it's it's a weird thing to say to someone. Yeah, I, I wasn't happy. I was, like, almost crying, or I might have even cried. Sure. I was Absolutely. hit so hard, I was totally blindsided. That is a moment, yeah, getting released. Being a professional yeah. baseball player and getting that. That call into your skip's office or whoever is going to yeah. cut you, man, it's, it's a heavy moment. And, you know, and looking back on it, you know, all the, the games that I had in pro ball, it's such a mental grind. Oh yeah. It really is because if you do good, you can't wait for the next game to play in. And if you do bad, you are doubting yourself and you are like, how, why am I even here? Okay. And it happens so much that it really ends up getting the best of you. If you're not strong enough mentally to overcome that, if you can, if you can tell yourself, I am confident, I, I can do this. I do belong here and be yeah. that way the entire time. That's yeah. one thing. But if it, but if it's a, too much of a battle, you know, it too many times that I get caught go, doubting myself. Yeah, that's such a tough place to be in baseball. Yeah. Doubting yourself is just cancer. There's days when I could go out there and just I knew exactly where that ball was going to go and I could do it. And I was like, wow, I'm going to the big leagues, baby. <laughs> and then the next game, something's wrong mentally. And you're like, yeah. how am I going to get through this? Man. You know, so, so then, uh, I came home and I decided let's try and play for the capitals and see how that goes. Really? Okay. So I, so I ended up trying out with the capitals. <clears throat> well, before I actually tried out, I got together with Don Heron. He was the coach for the capitals at the time. Yep. And I sat down and I talked to him and I told him what was happening, you know, what happened and, he said, well, let's look at your mechanics and let's see if we can help you, you know, get some velocity back or whatever. So I worked on stuff with him and, you know, he did teach me a lot. Don, 
Heron did a few, t you know, I, I worked with him a few days and we worked on my mechanics and he taught me about velocity. And the thing is, and I don't know if you know Don and I don't know what the opinion is of Don, but I never knew the guy until this point in my life. You know, I know I played against him when he coached Southeast. Right. But I spent some time with him. He taught me some mechanics and he taught me more in these few days about pitching than I ever knew my entire life really? or, or, or that I was taught my entire life because you, you think you think highly of him. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I never got to say thanks to him and I really wish I, I, I even had a few moments. This was like in 2014 when I was typing up my book or, or whatever you want to call it. I was thinking about Don Heron a lot and the time he spent with me before I tried out with the Capitals. And by the way, he cut me. I did not make the team. Really? But the thing is, when I pitched, I was shit sandwich. Like was your shoulder toast? I just could not break a pane of glass. Yeah. So your 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 was torn. Yeah. I had nothing. Yeah, and I and I thought I did though. So it was like really tough mentally and emotionally. Absolutely. I'm barely hanging on here, you know. Sure. But he taught me so much about velocity and all this stuff. It really made sense to me. But I just couldn't do it. Physically, I just couldn't do it because I think my arm was just messed up. Yeah. You know? And then and then I started, it started to die. My my whole edge, you know. So then I try out. So I pitched in a game. I got, you know, I, I got three outs. I didn't give up any runs, maybe, but I was nothing. I was nothing. And, and after the game, you know, he had he made the cuts and I didn't make the list or whatever. Yeah. So I just walked out and I never said another word to him again. And that was in 2000. Well, I hope he, he hears this and feels appreciated. Yeah, because and I do want. Yeah, I really appreciate what he taught me because I took <clears throat> what he taught me with me to my coaching. Yeah, which started ten years later. What I mean, at what point did you get your your shoulder checked out here? So after I got cut from the Capitals, I tried <clears throat> out with the River City Rascals with Neil Fiala. Mm -hmm. I got a hold of him and he said to come out the next day and try out with us because I was not accepting the fact that I couldn't throw. Yeah. And I thought it would just go away and I thought I could just try out. And if I was able to pitch an inning, maybe the rascals would keep me and I could hang on. Right. So I drove all the way down to St. Louis that day and I uh, got loose, worked out. But the whole time I'm throwing the ball, like when I'm playing catch, I can't even lift the ball over my shoulder. I was hurting so bad, and mm -hmm. I still was in doubt. I still was yeah. not accepting it, and I'm like, I'm just going to warm up and try and try out for this team. It's a warrior mentality, man. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. So, so finally, you know, the game's going on. It's a practice game tryout slash thing or whatever. And Neil goes, hey, Jay, you ready to go? And I'm like, yeah. And he sends me down to the bullpen. 
that first pitch I threw in the bullpen, it felt like someone stabbed me in the knife or with a knife in my shoulder. Oh no. And I, I was like right here and I couldn't even go any further with the ball. And it would just like pop out of my hand and barely make it to the catcher. And I'm like holding my shoulder and I'm like, I'm done. I just can't, this can't happen now. So I walk off and the game. And so I go up to coach and I go, I can't, I can't pitch. And he's like, what? And he goes, or, and I said, yeah, my arm's just shot. I'm, I'm hurting, but thanks for, you know, offering it. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I didn't really talk to him much. And then, like, after the game ended, I came up to him, and I was just in tears. I was in tears because I was just – I knew this was it. So I drove home. I walked in the house crying my eyes out, and I'm like, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it was all dramatic and everything, and, you know, but – It's okay. Yep. So it took me years to get over because I just, it was so abruptly over. It's okay, man. I'm still getting over my career ending. I'm almost yeah. 40. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So sometimes yeah, that you know, never goes away. Totally. Yeah. But, but, you know, so despite that, you know, I did end up getting my degree. Hey, hey, something's yeah. squeaking in your background. Yeah, it's my, it's my dog. Okay. All right. Um, Hold on. <laughs> I was like, is that a chair? What is, is that okay. Jay crying? <laughs> yeah. So, so after baseball ended, you know, I got my degree. I went to Robert Morris College in Springfield. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I was really conservative. I did not know what to do. I didn't know what to get into. Did you get your shoulder fixed? I got my shoulder fixed by Dr. Watson in Springfield. Yeah, I know him well. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell him hi. I owe him a case yeah. of beer. Sure. And yeah, he, uh, you know, he's the reason why I can play catch with my kids. I mean, yeah. I can, I can throw every day. I, I, awesome. Yeah. I can pitch still and everything. Just not obviously like I used to, but, um, was it rotator and labor or what was no, it? Just, labor? just cleaned up some, uh, scar tissue, uh, torn rotator cup, no labrum. Okay. I was in a sling for six months. I went to Robert Morris College. I got my degree. I wasn't I wasn't much of a student growing up. You know, I, I never had good grades. Right. So I was proud that I was able to, um, you know, get my bachelor's degree. Sure. But while I was growing up and, you know, working at Barnes & Noble for a while uh, for Adam Feld's older brother, Chris, um, and going to college, I never stopped loving baseball. I would go to a Cardinal game every chance I got, or I would go with my yeah. buddies right. and go to Cincinnati and see a game or the Wrigley or or whatever stadium and see the Cardinals nonstop, you know, for those years. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, I met my wife, and uh, we got together – uh, we met in Vegas, actually. At a bachelor party. Well, no, actually, I was with some friends for just a weekend getaway with okay. uh, Hank Sherman, a uh, fellow Glenwood alum from 1988. Okay. Um, he took me out with another doctor friend of his, and 
I was just like the basically the talent show that came along with them, him and his doctor buddy. And I was still in college and we went to a PF Chang's restaurant one night on the strip and and I met my wife. She was there at the bar and I'm being stupid and drinking a you know some stupid drink and we got to talking and she gave me her email address. Yeah. And we stayed in touch for four years. And uh, I moved out here to Buffalo in 2006 and we got married in 2007 and we got two, two young boys and I've been here ever since. I, I love stories like that, man. So you kept in touch for four years before it finally became like a real yeah, we just, to make it a relationship. Yeah, we were just friends. Uh, she gave me her email address. Um, just just being stupid. She thought, well, I really want to stay in touch with this guy. And uh, we would just email each other and she would call once in a while. We would just talk on the phone like for pick me ups kind of thing. Yeah. You know, throughout those yeah, four friends. years. And yeah, just cool. friends. And it was a great time. And then uh, we started talking on the phone a little bit too much in 2006. And I decided I had, I got to come out and see you. Yeah. And uh, I flew out to Buffalo. And then I, six months later, I move out to Buffalo. I love it. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and you know, she's, she's, she wasn't a baseball fan much until I got in the picture. Yeah. And Marsha and I have since gone to a bunch of games together. Um, thanks to Mr. Worth. Um, nice. Jason, Jason got us, uh, uh, he, he, uh, got Marsha and I, uh, tickets to a world series game. Oh, wow. So we got to watch him play in Philadelphia and watch him win a World Series game against the Rays. That's sick. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And we've seen a bunch of other games uh, that worth uh, left tickets for us. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, with the Nationals and Phillies and yeah, Pirates or whenever you go like on the road, yeah. you know. And you guys have maintained some sort of a friendship throughout the years, haven't you? Yeah, Jason and I, you know, we just text each other and. I'll just, I'll just text some random, you know, spitty spat stuff, you know, from <laughs> yeah. 30 years ago and it's hilarious. And that's the good stuff, man. Those yeah, are good you know, like that. Yeah. Yep. But, um, you know, my, my life in baseball has been beyond a dream. You know, you can't even imagine, you know, the things that I experienced all those years. Yeah. It's one of a kind story and I'm so proud you know to to have lived this and it's still going i mean all these stadiums that i'm gonna that i go see with my family and watching cardinal baseball and doing this interview right here it's just yeah adding on to it and i really appreciate it man you're you're yeah. getting me choked up here man that's yeah. uh i love how you're putting this and yeah eventually you you were back in the game coaching at a, at a yeah in 2008 yeah, so when I moved to Buffalo, I really wanted to get into coaching because I just, you know, I, I'm not the best worker. I'm not the best student. You know, <laughs> I'm just a baseball guy. You know, I just yeah. like sports. Yeah. And I like coaching. I like the game. I, uh, it's just what I'm good at. I'm obsessed with it in in a way. Um, I've always been into fitness. You know, just from all the years with. Kim Worth and, and, you know, the years with the A's, you know, I always liked reading up on players and their fitness routines. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I always really liked that and like mechanical stuff and, you know, or the mental side of the game. You know, I remember we had a guy with the Oakland A's, um, this old guy that was part of the organization, a well-respected coach named Carl Keel. Um, he, you know, a lot of people don't know who this guy was, but he wrote a book about the mental side of the game. Okay. And, and he would talk to us as a whole organization. He would talk to us for an hour, like during spring training one day or during the summer during rookie ball. And he would be like, I talked to Ray Knight one time and he said his approach is this. And I talked to this guy and he said his approach is this. And you guys should really think about it. So, so like everything that I learned in baseball, I've tried to pass on to the kids that I've coached. And even though it's not like YouTube and scientific, um, there is still a lot of value to what I bring to the table. And that is the experience, even if it's old school, even if it's running three miles instead of running sprints and doing plyometrics, all of that ha does have value. Sure. And, and, I got into coaching in 2008 and I stuck with it for a good six years yeah. um, and gave thousands of pitching lessons. Yeah. So I'd work with kids every day. I do, you know, sometimes I do 10 lessons in a day, like on a Saturday after, uh, morning to afternoon. Yeah. And just one after another lesson after lesson, how to throw baseball, how to pitch, talk about the mental side, you know, um, talk about my experiences you know when i did this yeah. this is why i did did it like this and you know might want to try it this way and just always being a student of the game and coaching is so helpful to learn stuff too you know yeah man i love how you put that and then so why did you eventually walk away from that or why did that opportunity well end? my my two kids were starting to grow up and i wanted to yeah. coach them in little league so i kind of yeah. went off onto my own kind of thing and i got away from it but um, I also was into, uh, specialty pharmacy. Um, I was, uh, I got to know a guy, um, I got, I, I became friends with a dad that I used to give pitching lessons to his son and he was starting up a specialty pharmacy, uh, for patients with hemophilia. Yeah. And while I was coaching baseball, I was also working a full-time job at an ambulance company. Um, on the business side and I was doing billing and stuff like that. So when he opened up this specialty pharmacy, I started, uh, he wanted me to come on board because he liked how I worked with his son and yeah. pitching. And he thought maybe I could help him with his uh, pharmacy. So I worked for him for a few years. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, baseball has opened up a lot of different opportunities for me. Absolutely. And, and he loved that. And uh, so like he, he thought I was like his professional baseball player on, you know, for his work yeah. staff. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of treatment that I've gotten from some folks over the years is I've tried to take advantage of my professional status in it some could, it, could, it could open doors for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, other times not so much, but you know, it's all about how you market yourself and yeah. you know, I've, I tried to, you know, I've sat down and, and written out a bunch of stuff about my career and everything, but I think this platform is really the easiest way just to talk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the podcasts are the way to go now, but um, yeah. yeah, so I still, 
I'm still very much involved in the game. Um, this past summer, my family and I went to Lincoln, Nebraska for uh, a retirement party for one of our cousins. And on the way there, we hit Wrigley, we hit Kansas City, we hit Minnesota, Milwaukee, and the White Sox. Oh, what a cool trip, man. That's yeah, so wild, man. for two weeks, we hit all those major league parks. Wow. So all of, you know, the whole family, you How know. How old are your boys again? They're 12 and 10. Oh, so they can totally appreciate that and love that. Yep. Man, that's a great age for that. Yeah, and, you know, my 12-year-old loves baseball, and he plays it. He's a left-handed pitcher, and, you know, we – you know, we, we, we enjoy it. We, we love sports too, just in general, just all sports. Yeah. My, my 10 year old likes baseball a little bit, not as much. He's not as into it, but yeah. we still love the game. And, you know, just really because of me, you know, and just seeing all the parks and, you know, all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, it's just been such a huge part of my life. So. I love it, my man. Well, yeah. We're, we're getting close to the end here. This has been like the coolest journey. You're, you're such a unique dude. You're, you're yeah. unlike a, a, a typical baseball bro. I, I said it earlier. You're a yeah. breath of fresh air. I, I'd love to get to some baseball questions if you have a little time for me here and we can just rip yeah. a little bit. Yep, yeah. Yep. And then I also want to say that um, uh, one, one huge person in my life that I really have to owe something to, and that's Josh Bruner. Um, he was a friend of mine my freshman year that passed away um, in a car accident on the way home from Field of Dreams. Oh, wow. So, Dyersville, Iowa? Yep. Right after, right before our senior year, um, we were, I was playing with the Thunder, and we were uh, at the World Series in Crystal Lake, Illinois, which is near Chicago, and he was in Dyersville, and there was a car accident, and, and he passed away. And that was my first time ever experiencing, you know, a death. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a friend, not just a relative. Yeah. And, and that really kind of shaped my whole child, my teen years and my baseball yeah. um, life uh, because I always thought of him and kind of like dedicated my you know, career and that kind of thing to him because he wasn't able to experience that kind of stuff. And I was able to, you know, bring some joy to his mom and dad and his brother through my baseball career. And I would, you know, continue to be friends with them and and talk to them over the years and, you know, that kind of thing. Not, not enough really, but we're, we're Facebook friends and, and uh, he just had a huge impact on my life because that was the only time I've ever experienced something like that. And, um, you know, no one obviously wants to go through something like that, but, sure. but, but I can thank him, you know, for helping me push through and, and not regret or not take anything for granted in life, you know? So, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So I had to say, I had to say his name in this interview. I'm glad you did. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. All right, my man. Yeah. You, you ready to get to some questions? Yeah, let's go. I added a few kind of as we went, just because I as I've learned of you, and uh, I, I I give these guys these questions beforehand so they can kind of get an idea and think about them a little bit. But knowing that you're a Jordan guy, are, are you a Jordan shoe guy? You have a favorite pair of Jordans? I have a favorite pair of Air Jordans, the 1989 Air Jordan Fours. Okay. Um, 
the red and black with the, they're white with the red and black and they're like the checkered looking yeah. things. Yeah. Hard to explain, but I love those. Um, I have a pair of Air Jordan threes those are great. Uh, that I got yeah. for Father's Day. Uh-huh. And uh my 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 12 year old has a pair of the air jordan ones uh classics yeah i'm a a jordan guy myself okay yeah so what shoes do you have my well uh i'm big one guy i like threes i like fours i love 11s those are my like grails the concords but ones and ones and 11s are my favorite i like the threes fours i like sixes twelves are cool but yeah 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 Yeah, my 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 10 year old actually has the bugs bunny version ones Oh, really? 92 season. Uh, that was the Air Jordan 5, I believe, or 6. Yeah. 6, probably. But, okay. yeah, I just, you know, uh, it doesn't matter which Air Jordan, really. You know, what any of them are great. But yeah. I can associate every single Air Jordan with the season that he had. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And my favorite season ever of Jordan is probably the 1988 season where he was MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and slam dunk camp and that yeah. kind of stuff. But, but you know, a lot of his seasons, you could, I mean, I, I can dissect every one of his single seasons and say, wow, this one might be the best ever. <laughs> wow, this one might be. Because of all the circumstances and what was at stake. And, you know, it's it's more than just the stats. Yeah. But, but by far, probably 1988 was his greatest season ever. Like as far as. Yeah. All the stats put together and the game scores and yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, answer, but, man. All yeah, right. but yeah, Air Jordans. I I grew up with a couple of different Air Jordans too, like wearing them at school and stuff. So I grew up. My parents would not get those for me. They would not drop that money. So when I got a little older and started making some money, I was like, you yeah, know what? Air, it's Air, Jordans. It's Jordan time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Best baseball movie of all time. Best baseball movie of all time is probably. I'm going to say the natural. Yeah, great. Okay, Robert, but, Robert Redford, so good. But, but there's Bull Durham's up there. Major yeah. League is up there. And I really like. Yeah. And I really like um, for love of the game. Yeah. Because that movie had a lot of really cool. Uh, you know, highlights of yeah. the pitching in the yeah. in the Yankee Stadium, and it was so real looking. Yeah, was pretty good effects, and I like the story. Kevin Costner um, is a fantastic baseball actor. He's just yep. number one. Just yeah, he's in so many baseball movies too. So he's and yeah. so believable. Like he yeah. swings well, he throws it well. Like he looks yep. good out there. Yeah, and, and we've been to Field of Dreams. We uh Bye-bye. on the way to Lincoln, Nebraska, a, a different year. Well, last summer, not this summer, we went to Field of Dreams and and we drove all night and pulled up to the parking lot that morning. We get out of the car and another car parks next to us and they get out of the car and I go, we're from Buffalo, New York. And he goes, we're from Rochester, New York. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's just funny. But yeah, I, I love the Sandlot, you know, those movies are awesome but but yeah. the natural is awesome because i like the drama you know with the home run at the end yeah the you know he was about ready to die almost yeah um i love the bat that he made wonder boy 
Wonder Boy, and then the Savoy yeah. special. Yeah, the Bat Boy. Um, I love him pitching against the Whammer and striking out. That's a great movie, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, and so, and then the music is so amazing, oh, iconic. That that trumpets yeah. that like when he hits the lights. Yeah, yeah. All right, worst baseball movie. Worst baseball movie. I don't know. Probably, probably like Rookie of the Year. One of those. <laughs> But they're right. still silly and fun. I mean, oh, and I really like the rookie too. You know, with uh, Dennis Quaid and that Jim Morris. Yeah. Yep. 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 Story, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite players growing up. Willie McGee. Yep. Um, love John Tudor. I love Mark Langston, Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan. I read Miracle Man, his biography. Yeah. His autobiography. Loved every page of that. Yeah, big fan of Nolan Ryan, but never really got to see him pitch. I loved Randy Johnson. Yeah. I got to see him pitch. Loved Daryl Kyle. Chris Detmers, who, okay. by the way, I, I wanted to talk about Chris Detmers because I got to know him as a pitcher in college with my brother at Lincoln Land. Huh. And I was totally obsessed with him. He was my idol. Because he was like a big lefty that was throwing hard, and I wanted to be just like him. Yeah. And when I got to know him, you know, he would teach me, you know, a little bit here and there of some stuff. And what was so ironic and great about him is that he had this son 20 years later. Yeah, broke your K record. Broke my strikeout record. Yeah, so I crazy. thought that was a really interesting story in my cool. realm of, and in, in my, yeah. So back in 2017, I kept track of Reed's uh, season and saw that he was striking out everybody, and he ended up break, breaking my record in in the last game of the year that they lost. Yeah, and uh, you know. Could I have been upset that my record was broken? Yes, but it wasn't like a nobody who broke it. It was right. <laughs> my yeah. idol's son yeah. who is cool. now in the major leagues and has thrown a no-hitter with the Angels and was a first-round pick. And Pretty dang I mean, cool, right? Yeah, yeah like, okay, I'll, I'll take that for take second that. place. That's perfect because, like, yeah. two questions down, my next question was going to be, who did you look up to locally? So you just answered that totally. Um, yeah. Were Cardinals, that was your favorite team coming up? Yep. So Will and McGee, I love Mark McGuire. Um, Adam Feld actually texted me the other day and goes, do you remember batting like Ray Lankford for a whole season one year? Oh, Ray Lankford. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's so funny. Cause I think one year I was like trying to act like Ray Lankford all summer. It was like a real upright stance, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I was like trying to hit like him all the time because I, you know, I just never really cared that much about hitting. So it was just kind of fun to you to mess around. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I was probably fun. better at imitating than actually hitting the ball. Loved Ray Langford. Uh, yeah. Pitching wise, what professionals did you try to uh, mimic mechanic wise? Well, I really liked, and even if they were right handers, I really liked Todd Stottlemyre. I really like Donovan Osborne. A lot of these guys were like easy to watch because they're always on TV. 
yeah. You know, with Cardinal games, I really like Tom Glavin. Yeah, that's you know, you know I was gonna I was gonna say that when I was watching, I went back and watched both your state games or whatever, or the ones that yep. are on YouTube, and I thought there was shades of Tom Glavin in there. Yep, because I would watch Tom Glavin on TBS all the time, and I would see how he would handle batters and and then come inside on a righty, mm-hmm. but also have really good mechanics, and he was very quiet yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. You know, very calm. So I kind of like that. You know, watching watching him a lot, or like Steve Avery, another lefty. I was I was always into lefties. Sure. But I always, I, but I was always a pitchers guy too. Like when when we were talking about fantasy baseball all the time and stuff with some buddies, I would always go for the pitchers and not the hitters as much. Yeah. You know, just because I felt like I had that going for me. Yeah. But Cool. All right. Best baseball video game. MVP 05, hands down, no Dude. questions asked. Yes, that is the only correct answer. I, that, thank Listen. you for saying that. No one has said yep. it yet. That is Listen the to this. <laughs> Over the years, okay, so, I mean, I got buddies. They, they, they would, they're dying laughing right now. Listen to this. We would play hours and hours, MVP 05. Oh, that game is addicting. Yeah, we played it nonstop. I played it nonstop. 20, I mean – thousands of games probably i got really oh, yeah. good at that game yeah. Oh, yeah and and what was cool though playing mvp05 on playstation 2 was that jason worth was on the game yep so i With, got to the dodgers. Who, who the dodgers yeah dodgers yeah. yeah but but as the years went by and i still kept playing mvp05 because there was never a better game that came out that's the damn truth. I would just edit the lineups and stuff <laughs> on my memory card and that's i would awesome. And I would like put worth on the Phillies. Oh, I love you know, and I yeah, yeah. So and then before that though, MVP 05, before that, it was triple play baseball on yep. the old PlayStation. That was fun. And yep, then before good. that, the best baseball game ever was bases loaded. Everyone's mentioned that. That was kind yep. of old school in that and RBI, Nintendo days. RBI baseball and bases loaded, yeah. So can't, can't go wrong. All nope. right. Best things to do on, on bus trips? What were your, some of your favorite things? Uh, best thing to do on bus trips. 1996, on the way to the state tournament, me and my buddy Darren McMasters and Adam Feld and I think some other players got these Cracker Jacks, these boxes of Cracker Jacks. And we opened them up, and they had, you know how they always had the prizes inside the box? Yeah. Well, we opened it up and it had wisecracks inside the box. So you opened up this little package of a card and it was basically jokes. And they were called wisecracks. And the wisecrack, we would open up and it would say, Hawaii doing. <laughs> and it was so dumb and yeah. we didn't understand what the humor was. <laughs> but we all like opened up our, our wisecrack cards And we all started telling each other our wisecracks. And one of them was Hawaii doing, like Hawaii, the state. Yeah. My feet hurt. Doesn't make any sense. We don't know why that was a wisecrack. (laughs) Um, Smile and say cheese. (laughs) So instead of saying smile and say cheese, it was smile and say cheese, like teeth. Yeah. I don't get it. 
I don't know if this was like a milk advertisement or something, but it was like a lot of dairy stuff. So there's another one that said, this okay. is utterly ridiculous. So that had yeah. something to do with the cow. Utter, yeah, cow. And then there's one more wisecrack that said, uh, oh, wait, what was it? Uh, can I have some more chocolate milk? Okay. Okay, so totally dumb, totally didn't get it. But the whole ride to the state tournament with my buddies was we would read each other the wisecracks and then fake laugh the whole bus trip there. And it was so funny because we actually were starting to laugh for real. If that yeah, does sound this, like some high school dudes, yeah. This is the dumbest totally. stupid, yeah. And then there's <laughs> another time where there was like a box of donuts and we uh, – we, there was like one donut left and it was like really late in the trip and we're almost home or something. Everyone was like sleeping on the bus or whatever. And I don't know, someone grabbed a long John donut and set it on our, one of our coaches like laps mm -hmm. while he was sleeping. And we all thought it was so funny. And then someone like grabbed it off his lap and started eating it. And we just thought it was the funniest, just stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah. If if we got together and hung out, we would talk about stupid stories like that. Yeah. For no, yeah, and no one, yeah, it just had to be there, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. All, you ever, I'm sure you know, right? Oh, absolutely. There's tons of stuff like that. Uh, in, did you ever have intro music? Did you get to choose your own? Oh, that's hilarious. So instead of me, you know, picking out the best hip hop song, you know, to warm up and pitch, or the best, you know, pop song or country song that everyone likes i went old school hardcore and i t and i took one of my dad's favorites and picked elo so i'm not, not familiar with it electric light orchestra oh what so yeah so <laughs> yeah so uh i told like the the announcers or the the guys that handle all the tech technology when they, when they asked me what my song wanted to be, I said, it's a living thing from ELO. So it's a living thing. Da -na 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 -na. Yeah. So I'd be out there warming up and that'd be my song. And everyone would just be laughing like idiot, idiot. Yeah. Yep. Dude. All right. Best teammate you ever had. Best teammate. Well, Feldy and Worth yep. are definites. Um, but I will say one of my best, best teammates I ever had was Jamie Porter. I had, he was like my teammate for three years in a row, basically with the A's. Okay. He's from Washington. He's from Seattle. And he and I roomed together all those years and we're still friends to this day. And he's just, uh, he was like basically a right-handed Lenny Dykstra. Okay, yeah, I got you then. His favorite player was Nails. Yeah. And love Lenny myself. Yeah, and he uh, he played like him, but he was a right-hander. He was a leadoff hitter. He liked to walk. He was super fast, had a great arm, but he just had a lot of injuries and he never really played. You know, he kind of he got released like I did. You know, he didn't play much, mm -hmm. but he did play for University of Washington, but. Um, funniest dude I've ever met, just great guy. Um, 
we just had the best time ever. And a lot of it was just hanging out in our apartment, playing video games and waiting for our next game. Yeah. You know, I, I actually borrowed his truck one time in Phoenix so I could go buy some uh, Cardinal tickets because they were coming to Phoenix uh, coming up in the season when we were playing, when they were playing the Diamondbacks. Yeah. And the poor guy, I uh, I actually um, totaled his truck. <laughs> what? On the yeah, I'm driving through the city of Phoenix, and I uh, drove through a yellow light, and this other car was coming to take a left, and we hit head on. Jeez. And this was during the season in 1998, and luckily I only missed a few days, but um, yeah, I totaled his truck. So that's something that if I did talk to him right now, I'd probably bring up and apologize to him about. Yeah. But he was a great sport about it. But we spent a lot of time together. He's from Seattle. We keep in touch. Um, he would run through a wall, though. I mean, you just love that about this guy. And teammates kind of like that, you know. Glove of choice. Glove of choice. Yeah. Like brand we were rawlings easton yep. you know one, yep couldn't care less one that <laughs> catches a ball but but i'll tell you you know what i had i had a glove smith oh yeah from, I had uh, two back in the day i forgot his name some guy he made glove smiths for us or something or I, I don't know what happened but um yeah i got a hold of one of those and that was that worked for me my whole career so that was, was was it? Did, did Kenny Gand used to? Kenny uh, Gand, that's who it was. Kenny the Mittmender, the Mittmender used to sell. Mittmender, and those are solid gloves. I had a, yeah. I had a, a shortstop glove smith in high school. I think was an absolute tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I love the glove smiths. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, most talented teammate or teammates that never played pro ball. Give me a couple. Feldy, right? Feldy was number one. Okay. The, the the problem with Feldy is I just don't know if he threw hard enough. Yeah, that's what he we said. don't we don't a lot of people in my circle don't understand why he didn't get a look or more of a look, but I don't know what his velocity really was. I thought I think, it was I think, I think you told me it was like eighty six ish, eighty seven. Yeah. His deception though was so amazing. And and his and you know his mechanics were messed with a little bit when he went into high or when he went into college, okay. and he kind of became a little bit differently but mechanically. Yeah. So it kind of took away from his advantages that he used to have with the with the awesome windup that he had in high yeah. school. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know if Adam's arm was healthy enough to really develop or progress. Yeah. You know more. Um. You know, it's just it was just hard because you know you're you're living life, you're playing other sports. Sure. You know, he he went to Mineral Area College, and you know he also didn't want to go to Lincoln Land and wanted to see what else was out there, kind of thing. Yep. And that didn't quite work out, and then he ended up going back to Lincoln Land. Yep. Um, but competitor, I mean. Yeah, you name it, he had everything you'd want in a pitcher with the stuff, with his makeup, with his, you know, every, you know, all the mental qualities. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely the best pitcher I ever played with that didn't go pro. I think my brother is another player okay. that I never actually played with, but you know, I, you know, he, he could have definitely easily played pro ball. I mean, I don't know how far he would have gotten, but he just didn't care enough. Yeah. But you know, he did everything and then some good enough to, you know, to hold his own. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, would you have done anything different in your pro career? Do you have any regrets? I just wish I would not have doubted myself so much. And I also wish I would have, well, I mean, you can always, you know, you can do this all day, every day, but you know, knowing about, you know, more about speed and power, you know, I kind of wish I would have focused on more fast twitch muscle stuff, but you only know what you know at that time and you make the best of it, you know, so who, who knows really like what would have, yeah, what would have happened. So I really can't say I have any regrets, you know, but but you always think about, Oh man, I wish I kind of would have known about this and that mechanically or something, you know, to give me that extra. hundred percent. What, uh, this next question is most talented teammate ever. Is that, Jason, Jason by far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, even anyone I played in pro ball. Right. With, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's just, it was just like, like, you know, he was like one of those video game players. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It was not even close. What, what, what coach had the most impact on you in, in your career? What coach? Um, well, I'll just say probably coach Mumi. Yeah. I mean, I played with a lot of good coaches, but all the situations and circumstances I was going through didn't allow me to get to know some of my professional coaches I played with. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with Mumi. Sure. Um, even though, even though coach Mumi, you know, he, he didn't always have this new thing or that new thing or, or that suggestion all the time, but it was just his demeanor, his presence and all the confidence we had in him. you know? What were the, what were the two favorite fields you ever played at? One or two. I played at Bush stadium. Oh, cool. In 94, 95. Really? Yep. And that was the old turf. Yeah. And I just thought that was amazing. I I always dreamed of playing there. That dream came true. I got to catch a fly ball in left field. Wow. It was a bomb that was hit. We were playing Lincoln High School both years. Yep. And I was a freshman, and I was playing in left field. Coach was hiding me out in the outfield just to let me play an inning, you know, in this meaningless exhibition game. Yeah. And this kid hit a bomb to left field. And it, it just, it, it went so freaking high. And then you had that third deck, Mm -hmm. you know, in the background, it is the most majestic fly ball you'll ever see in your life, especially as a freshman in high school. Yeah. And you're at Bush stadium. I'm running 
and you gotta you gotta know like how I used to run. See, the reason why Kim got a hold of me to help me with my my training is because I used to run a lot on my heels more okay. than on my toes. Yeah. So my sprinting before I actually before Kim got a hold of me, I would run clunky. on my heels. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but well luckily Kim got a hold of me before this play was made, but yeah, it was more on my toes this time, but I felt like I ran forever towards the left field foul pole. And I happened to get under it and catch it. And everyone just made the biggest deal about it because it was me, the, the, the one that was catching it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I did get to pitch in Bush stadium the next year. I got to make the start. I got to pitch one inning, the first inning, and that was yeah. pretty amazing. So I was like John Tudor for a day. Yeah. One of my idols or Joe McGrain or Donovan Osborne. That's awesome. And that was really amazing. Um, I also got to play at a lot of different, a lot more really cool stadiums. Um, let's see, where else did I get to play? Um, we got a lot of questions to get through, bud. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll just say Bush Stadium for now. Bush Stadium. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure we get them all in. Yeah. And okay. How about uh, what were your some of your favorite local players coming up with to compete against? From the- well, Corey Erickson. I got to see Corey play in my sophomore year. I was with Glenwood, and I was like on the bench a lot, waiting to you know pitch in relief or pitch on a Saturday doubleheader. Yeah. And. We were playing a conference game. Todd McClure was pitching. This is Corey's senior year, Todd's senior year. This is at Chamberlain Park. Corey just absolutely annihilated this ball that still hasn't landed yet. I could (laughs) not believe what I saw that day. This (laughs) missile of a home run he hit. So this was like vintage Corey Erickson. Yeah. And I got to see – firsthand it was a i mean I, I was like wow you know and that that was like a big league homer that yeah, that was cool. the first time i actually saw yeah so definitely Corey erickson it's awesome we're, we're gonna have Corey erickson on as a guest here sometime soon oh great great yeah i love yeah. Corey. um ryan o'malley just that one home run i i love remembering that home run yeah but i never really got to see o'malley play much otherwise only against the Astros that one game. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. so magical. Yeah, I love that. But um, And then uh, I would say another guy I competed against that I really enjoyed playing against, uh, probably Josh Komnick was another dude. Lincoln. Um, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Really liked him. And uh, probably some Griffin guys. I liked Mike Pilger. He was oh, awesome. Yeah. Stud, yeah, I yeah. Loved, yeah, I totally like idolized him. Yeah. I love Sabota and Schneller. Love playing mm-hmm. against those guys. Um, yeah, I love playing against Eric Easley with Southeast. Yeah, there we go. Uh, That's a good name. Yeah, he's a good. He's a friend of mine. Cool. Um, yeah. I always talk shit to him. Like I always tell him how I struck his ass out all the time, but I really didn't. I don't think he ever actually struck out against me. I need to call him back because he talked about coming on and being being like a sponsor and throwing some money. Oh, show. cool! That's a good reminder. I yeah. need to call you back. He's a great dude. I I yeah, played with him on him. the flame. 
Yep. And I played against him with, against Southeast, and we've yeah. been friends for a long time. And He's a successful realtor here in town. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love Eric. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, Mark Nunn, Matt Nunn, love those oh, guys. Oh, the Nunn brothers. Love, Absolute yep. studs, yeah. Love playing against those guys. Uh, I remember um, played against uh, who's the dude, the catcher with uh, Springfield High. Um, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Scott Jarvis. Scott Jarvis, loved him. Yep, good guy. Yep. Brooke Trees, Pat Trees, I like those guys. Yeah. Yep. yep. Pat, uh, Pat Trees is, is 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 my fellow firefighter. Now. Oh, cool. Tell yep. him hello. Yeah. Will do. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love all those Springfield guys. Um, it was so much fun. I idolized all of them. Like, but I also like striking them out and competing sure. against them. And yeah. What What are you most proud of in your career? Accomplishing most proud accomplishment is striking out Jason Giambi, <laughs> being the little engine that could kind of <laughs> kind of story, you know. Like, <laughs> yep, I'm a nobody, but I've I accomplished that. amazing things and uh, against some of the most remarkable athletes. And yeah. I just love that whole story, I love telling it to people. It's you know. When you, you meet someone new and you tell them that you they played that you played pro baseball, a lot of folks say, "Oh, did you play AAA?" or something like that. You know, like their immediate question right. is, "Oh, AAA?" or something like that. You know, someone right. that doesn't know all the ins and outs of minor league baseball and that right. kind of thing. Um, but I do take a lot of pride and you know gratitude in thing i did play pro ball absolutely just because i like to see the the look on people's face because i know i don't look like much right Isn't that awesome? and, yeah <laughs> and, and, and then you know if they really wanted to know or if i had time and they you know the conversation went that direction i would love to tell them my story about yeah. overcoming yeah this and that and 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 and, and, and it'd be funny you had a very unique journey no doubt um Yep. Did you have any unique rituals or do you remember any teammates that had any unique rituals or superstitions yep. or anything like that? Yeah, my, my ritual was I always put in, I always, one of my baseball socks would always be inside out. Really? So I'd always do that. Yep. And it was, you know, I had like the solid color one, so it didn't really matter. Right. But I'd always put one inside out. I'd always double knot my shoes. I'd always wear two pairs of socks. Um, you know, I always had a certain stretch, uh, yeah, I always put my uniform on a certain way. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I was just, I was very superstitious in my routine. You know, I always had to walk a certain way or like do this exercise or that exercise a certain way. And I don't know, just very ritualistic in that regard. But not to the point where it was very noticeable. Okay. You know, um, I would never like write something on the mound or anything, but I would think about like Josh Bruner yeah. or I would think about, you know, home or, you know, that kind of thing that would put, you know, light my shoes on fire kind of thing, you know? Yeah. All right. I've got a goofy question for you and it's based off of, if you don't, I can cut this out if you don't want to talk about it, but 
Worth said something funny about you getting beer from the Blackburn's garage, yeah. and I I know the Blackburn family. Yeah, they, yeah. they were and and you no. know the Jerkin family. I hope this was fun. I love them. Yeah, Can I love the Blackburns. Yep, I Chad, I was Chad Blackburn, great guy. Yeah, yeah. So so my buddy lived down the street from the Blackburns. We all lived in the same neighborhood. This, yeah. this buddy of mine, Tim Price, we lived. He lived across from Worth actually, and there was like an empty lot next to his house. We would like camp out in the empty lot, like in a tent once in a while, just being stupid, just, you know, and having a bonfire and stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm a freshman. I'm, I just finished my freshman year in high school. We're going in the summer and every once in a while we go to a party or whatever, you know, and a high school party and there'd be people drinking beer and, and, you know, I'd, I'd want to partake in having a beer once in a while, but I knew that was not a good idea, especially if you're playing sports. Sure. Well, I had this bright idea, you know, every time we'd go over and play basketball at Chad Blackburn's house, I noticed that his garage was open and, and Tom had a fridge full of beer. Yeah. <laughs> and so one night I got this crazy idea where we I was spending the night over at Tim's house and I'm like, I'm going to go get some beer over at the Blackburn's garage. And this is like two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So I walk down the street in the middle of the night and I jump I, I I you know his garage door was unlocked so I walked right in there his his fridge is right there and I just put I put like a bunch of beers cans of beers in my shirt so I basically <laughs> walked down the street with these beers in my shirt and drank and I ended up drinking by myself because that my my buddy like went to bed and wasn't really you know at first it was a funny idea but then when i was actually doing it he probably kind of you know didn't want to do it yeah <laughs> so uh i drank a few beers and i uh didn't feel too good the next day and then <laughs> so, so then so then i so then i'm at uh one of the football games like later on that fall and Tom comes up to me and he goes, hey, Jay, good to see you. Hey, uh, I heard that someone's been stealing beers out of my garage oh, no. from the neighborhood. And That's I want to know if it was you or if you knew who did it. <laughs> and I said, you know, I really don't know who it was. <laughs> but if I find out, I'll let you know. And he goes, well, if you find out, let me know. And if you ever need beer, just let me know. I'll let you have some. That's I'm like, great. oh, okay, great. So my, <laughs> so I am so stupid. So the next weekend, I'm like, you know what? I really want some beer. I think and this is so dumb of me because I'm only a sophomore in high school. I'm like, maybe if I ask Tom, he'll really get us some beer. So I can't. So I knocked on his door one day and I go, Hey, Tom, I just want to let you know I was the one that stole the beer. But I was wondering if you would want to get us, if we could have some beer. And he freaked out on me <laughs> and said, I'm going to tell Mr. Moomy what's going on with you and all this stuff. And he scared the living crap out of me. And then he ended up not telling anyone, not telling Coach. He didn't get totally your beer, playing, though. Totally playing with me. And no, I did not get beer. <laughs> just unbelievable 
I cannot wait to send this to Chad. I still text with Chad sometimes. I know he's like a yeah. He does a lot of uh, refereeing and umpiring locally here. Great guy. Yeah. I think he's. I think him and Griff are still like best buddies. So. Yeah, yeah. We had a great time growing up, hanging out with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank we you for sharing time. that. I was hoping you would. <laughs> oh yeah. What What do you miss most about the game? I just miss okay as just competing and and getting going out there and trying to strike someone out, trying to get out, showing off my delivery. Um, I love everything about the game, like just being out there. You know, I remember you know one of the first memories I have of going out there and pitching in a game at the beginning of the season was. I was trying not to smile. Yeah. The first step that I had out there at the beginning of the new season, I'm standing on the rubber. I'm 10 years old. I have the ball in my hand. I'm starting to do my warm up tosses and I just can't stop smiling. I was so in my element. I was in my place. I was so happy. And then I would look down and try and compose myself because I knew I looked stupid smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and I would look back up and all of a sudden I'd start smiling again. So oh, for a few years as a kid, at the very beginning of the season, when I got to first go onto the pitcher's mound and start my warmups, I remember doing that. Yeah. Smiling so much that I couldn't help it. And I, like I, I had to force myself to stop. That's pretty sweet. I, I yeah. love that, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's cool. Yeah. Right. Face one batter with your best stuff all time. Who would it be? It's Giambi. You already faced him. Oh, you mean if I could face a batter? You could face Mickey Mantle if you wanted to. Yeah. So earlier this year. Reed Detmers was pitching against the Astros and it happened to be on national TV mm-hmm. and he had an O2 count and he threw a fastball and Jose Altuve got a base hit. It was kind of a, it was a pitch that he obviously didn't pitch it where he wanted it. And it was too much of a strike on an O2 count, yeah. especially against Altuve and Altuve ended up getting a base hit on it. And I texted Chris later that night. I said, Chris, so glad to see your kid pitching tonight on national TV, but I'm sorry I didn't. I hated that 0-2 pitch to Altuve. And Chris replied, yeah, I know that sucked or something. And I go, I would have thrown a 79-mile-per-hour fastball right in his kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) And he just died laughing. Yeah. What's the best baseball book you've ever read? Have Glove Will Travel by Bill Lee. Oh, the Spaceman? The Spaceman. I need to check that out. I love I'm a big huge reader. I've not come across that one. I love baseball books. I've read a lot. Me too. But this one was by far the funniest I've ever read. It was I'm gonna pick it up. It was the best. I loved it. Um, I also read Bullpen Gospels by um, 
Hayhurst. Okay. Dirk Hayhurst, uh, a reliever with the Blue Jays from 15 years ago. Yeah. He wrote a really good book about being in the minor leagues and being in the bullpen. Um, you know, being a reliever in the minor leagues and being a reliever in the major leagues is that has got to be noteworthy, a noteworthy life to live. Yeah. Because all those times that you spend in the bullpen with your, your pitching teammates and those catchers, you just have the best time ever killing time during all those games you're watching and waiting for your turn to pitch. Yeah, there, so. there, there could be many, many books written. I'm sure from a lot of folks that spent time in a bullpen. Do you, do you still see yourself ever writing some sort of a baseball book that you've talked about? Yes, I already have something started. I just, you know, it's yeah. always a matter of yeah. you know sitting down and doing yeah. it more, or just simply writing notes. I, I hope this yeah. can be some sort of a resource to you, like down the road, like and this can yeah. has, has at least like kicked up some some thoughts and whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and running through these. I mean, this is like my vision for this was like more than a podcast, like mm-hmm. kind of in between like podcasts and biography on people and trying to get kind of like a balance of that. Yeah. You still with me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I love the podcast. It's a great. Um, it's it's an easier way to get all these stories out than sitting down and writing it. But I also think, you know, the writing the book, the element of that is huge for people oh, too. Absolutely. That, that, that's worthy yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just very time consuming and you know how yep. that goes. <laughs> Damn truth. What's a, uh, what's a dumb tradition in baseball? Dumb tradition. Well, I don't, well, some of the new rules I don't really like. Um, well, I don't like the pickoff plays where you can only do two of them. Okay. Now, at the same time, I really like how they're shortening the game because mm-hmm. it's just gotten too long. I mean, as much as as big as a as a baseball fan as I am, I still have a hard time sitting there and watching a game on TV. It's a long process. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can do it. But no one in my family can do it. Yeah. You know, unless it's like game seven of the World Series. And even I have a hard time sitting there watching this, you know, timeout called pitching visit. You know, I, I do like that they're shortening the game. So that's helped a lot. Yeah. Some of it, some of the rules that they've done, though, I don't like at all. Like the three inning or the three batter minimum for a reliever and the, the two, only two pickoff throws. Yeah. Because to me. When you see all the, the stolen bases now in in the game, it's to me it's kind of uh, an asterisk because of the limited pickoff attempts you can do. Yeah, I don't know if there's an actual correlation to it, but you've seen that there's a, a ton more stolen bases now. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, so it's not happening like organically, I guess you could say. And that takes away from Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock and all those guys that had to steal bases without those kinds of yeah rules. I am, I am happy to see that stolen bases are becoming part of the game again because they were really be becoming extinct, you know, because it, all the analytics. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah so that that's good and and see there is good and bad to all these rule changes yeah right There's... i really i really don't like the the ex the 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 second base runner in the you know when it's extra innings yeah starting there i don't like the the ghost runner kind of thing or whatever that's really annoying to me <clears throat> um and then you know the traditional like unwritten rules, some of those are kind of annoying where you can't like celebrate a home run or you can't like, you know, pump your fist when you strike out a guy. I like the emotion in the in the game. There needs to be more emotion. But there's obviously too much of the old way clashing with the new way and it causes yeah. fights. That's that's great. Yeah. That's my, that leads into my next question. Well, I mean, like if you if you give up a home run and the guy celebrates, get him out next time instead of throwing at him. That's my next question. Pimping home yeah. runs, yay or nay? Yay. Celebrating strikeouts, yay or nay? I mean, I, yay. I, that's yay. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that same way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got some questions now. This is kind of the end of them that are from my my good buddy Joey Aldismeyer. He's my teammate at Lincoln Land. He helps me out a ton with these. His are a little more thoughtful than some of mine. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you've already answered some of these, so um, I've crossed yep. off a few of these before, but state championships are a huge deal in small towns. Where does winning that state championship rank in your career of accomplishments? State championship is right there in the top three or four moments of my entire yeah. career. Yeah. And the fact that it was the first one in my school's history yeah is the best i mean yeah i mean like you really kind of kicked it off for like the dominance of chatham like you were a part of that era yeah we were the first yeah we were the first team to actually accomplish something but we weren't we may not have been the best team at at that time we may not have even been the best team that Glenwood ever had. It might have been the '92 team that lost to Rantoul to get to this to the state tournament. Yeah, with Brian McClure and my brother on that team. Right. Um, that a lot of people might say that was the best team ever, and they say they came so close. But we were the ones that actually uh, get over the hump and 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 not only get there but actually win it all. Um. And the the and the and how we did it and and who was involved was great because my my ties with previous Glenwood teams and then my relationship with Adam yeah and being the one to you know that was just I don't think anything can be can 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 beat that yeah. of all the state titles I love it there's all right it's gonna be our last question our last big one uh. And you've kind of answered it, but I I don't care if you want to answer any, any like, yeah. elaborate a little more. So he said, one thing that's becoming clear in these success stories is there's a key coach or parent that drives the development or opportunities. I think you know where I'm going. How important were the worst in the Chatham community for shaping your development as a ball player? Everything, because it was my dad. It was my brother. Um, it was all these good ball players coming through Chatham. It was these parents, you know, Doug Ferguson, Kit Provines, 
McClure's, Aaron Sapp, um, all these players my brother played with, and all the <clears throat> players in the Springfield area, you know, yeah. the, the interest and the level of competition, you know, Fairview, Sandy Koufax, all that. Um, pretty amazing, pretty special group of people. All they wanted to do was get better at baseball and make Chatham. I don't know. Just uh, we we we, don't know, we just had parents that cared and wanted their kids to play on a good baseball team, and then it just kind of blew up from there. And then you had Mumi, you had Mumi, you know, starting up and coaching and and doing something with his teams in the late '80s. And then all of a sudden you have McClure come through and it was just a snowball after snowball, you know, just yeah. it grew and grew and grew and it's just never stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the minute, I mean, when my dad and I lose track of everything and then we kind of try and catch back up after a few years and we see all that's happened with Glenwood, it's just yeah. amazing. It just never has stopped. Like with Casey. Never Erickson, stopped. Yeah. And you guys kind of started that. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Erickson came through and helped out a lot in Chatham. And oh, yeah. my brother worked with Bob Erickson on, you know, on the fields for a long time. Yeah. And that was part of it. And then Casey came through, you know, after yeah. Corey and yeah. Yeah. Dude, Just, we're, we're, my, my wife and I are talking about moving to Chatham because my son Bodie, I, you know, I, I have thoughts for him. I don't know what he's going to end up being, but I'd like to give yeah. him an opportunity to be a ball player and that's the only yeah. place I could see him being. I want him to play for Casey. And like, yeah. it's all kind of built on those, those legacies of like, you yeah. guys started it. And then other people were like, Oh, Chatham's amazing at baseball. We're moving out there to give our kid the best opportunity to be a baseball player, or let his career, yeah. you know, get, get, take it as far as it can. So thank you for doing what you did and setting the tone, brother. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what? I was blessed and I knew what I had in front of me and I just took it and ran with it. Yeah. And it's it was special then and it's special now. And I, I'm just so really thankful that you uh you had me on here, dude. It's been amazing. I yeah, it's it was perfect. Kim Kim Worth told me to, Adam Feld told me to. It yeah. was meant to be. This is such a ride, dude. What what an yeah. awesome journey, what a unique journey yeah. you had. Just your your insights have been so cool and unique and different. And I loved how you took advantage of every opportunity that was put in put in, put in front of you and yeah man i hey we, we spent dang near eight hours talking buddy so yeah. now me and spitty spat are buddies we're yeah, brothers for life we're, we're brothers for life now so yeah. be expecting text from me yeah. text me anytime man i hope we can keep yeah. in touch i and and kim wanted me to share that hall of fame speech that i was gonna say during the springfield thunder why don't you take us out and, with that well well i don't have it because it's on an old phone <clears throat> okay but I will say that it was damn funny and it was just basically making fun of all my teammates saying that while I was not the cool kid, I was more badass than you guys because I was working out with an Olympian and you guys weren't. And by the way, I could strike your asses out or something like that. It was like, it was a really badass speech. Then I didn't get a chance to to read, but um, I did read it to Kim that night on the phone. 
Yeah. With Dennis, you know, and uh, yep, I just um, I'm thankful and just uh, proud of my whole baseball life. Yeah, it's yeah. been amazing, dude. I've got so let's let's let your dad take us out. He's got a he's got a clip talking about how how proud he is of you guys. So I'm gonna play that, and we're gonna get off. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that's out there listening, that's supporting. More and more money keeps coming in, which I keep putting back into the baseball community, giving back to the game that gave me, that gave you, all of us, so much. So that means a lot, Blake. Thanks yeah. so much. That's yeah, awesome, dude. Thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for everyone yeah. out there listening. More to come. We got Casey Erickson coming up next, and then. What's cool after that is I'm branching out. So I, I'm still going to do local guys. I've still got Justin Canadler and Dennis and cool. uh, Casey, but now I've got Bo Hart lined up. You remember him from the Cardinals? Yeah. Oh, my God. Bo. Yeah. Cool. Bo Hart's coming on. He had a magical stint. I've got Ben Johnson yeah. coming on, the Cardinals AAA manager. So wow. We're, we're starting to grow, and I don't know where this dude. thing's going, but I'm here for it. So. Well, I'm glad to be a part of it, dude. That is so Me cool. I'm just, I, I like bragging to some friends here, you know, about it and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. that's means everything dude thanks yeah, and, and absolutely yeah. I, I hope your, your family likes this i know that your boys can always listen to this your wife can always listen to this your yeah. grandkids someday can listen to this so yeah all right y'all grandpa's taking us out thank you for listening this was amazing you ready all bud? Right, Blake. take care yeah buddy Gentlemen, smart. They want to do the right thing. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I couldn't be prouder. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I couldn't be prouder. Yeah. Uh, both of them. They're just gentlemen, smart. They want to do the right thing. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just, I couldn't be prouder.